Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Be There in Five podcast. I'm Kate Kennedy, your host. Today, we have a guest that I can't believe I've been on air for almost six years and have not had her on yet. There's so much overlap between our audiences, and she's one of the most requested people of all time. I'm so excited to have Jamie Golden from the Popcast on Be There in Five today. I think I was first introduced to the Popcast by a listener turned friend named Adrian, and she thought we had a lot of like similar interests. And what I love about the Popcast is that it's like actually about pop culture, unlike this program, where you know my my definition of pop culture I brought into the zeitgeist to collective consciousness. You know, like I do think it's tough for my listeners to come here, like probably hoping to hear about the latest and greatest in celebrity gossip, but then you'll just hear me do like a 20 minute rant about the significance of a peplum top. They actually review TV and movies. They also, unlike this program, are, are very organized. They get, they, get this, they, they put out episodes at the same time every week, very well edited. They are consistent. They have really great like segments that have become listener favorites that Jamie and I talked through. And it's just like, a, a, it's a really great podcast with really great chemistry between the hosts, Jamie and Knox, that are very like brotherly, sisterly. And we also love Aaron Moon, who's part of their team and who's part of the Bible Binge and Faith Adjacent podcast that I know a lot of you love because weirdly, this is also a podcast that kind of overlaps with faith and pop culture at times from a slightly different angle. But I firmly believe that so many elements of religion like inform the secular world, especially in the climate millennials grew up in, and they talk about faith-adjacent topics through the lens of still being a part of the church, but they have a really healthy outlook and like are always on the right side of history and are, are willing to like push back and criticize and ask questions. And I just, I think that they're really great hosts and content creators, but they're also really great people that I think are quite thoughtful about what they put out into the world. And yeah, just from a business standpoint, I've always kind of admired from afar. Because what I know from doing this is like, if you want to have an independent podcast, which they do, you have to build like a business model. And it seems like a job where you just shoot the shit on a mic. But if you want to make money from it, there's just so much more to it. And they have like a full media group. I think if they have a team of 10 or something down in Birmingham, they they run a tight, tight ship. They're so organized. They take this so incredibly seriously. And I just love that they've been on air for 10 years and they've been so successful. I think it's a testament to how people really value these spaces where they can celebrate their interests. And yeah, Jamie's just a delight. Like I could have talked to her forever. She is a human version of the fun table you want to be sitting at. And uh, I'm so glad that she finally came on the show. And I hope you guys enjoy. I also, in the past couple of days, recorded a Patreon bonus app if you want more after this. That's like an update about mom stuff and sleeping. Riveting. Um, but now I understand what all you guys were talking about with infant sleep. My God. Uh, but I also, yeah, kind of follow up on Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. Talk about London and Olivia. Yikes. Uh, what transpired after that their wedding this past weekend, if you follow them on TikTok or I'm used to. And if I have time, I'm really wanting to watch the Beckham documentary this weekend. I'm seeing cute clips, but then I'm seeing the most doting, darling clips of him talking about Victoria. But then, like, it also is about how he cheated on her. And I just feel upset by that. And 
Meanwhile, there's this clip of them adorably dancing in a seemingly choreographed, but also natural manner to Islands in the Stream. It just, I don't know, the song just makes too much sense. They, you know, they ride it together, uh uh-huh. And they rely on each other, uh uh-huh. They just really seem to be quite uh, committed to one another and their family. But then again, I do feel frustrated by the cheating situation in Spain, but Whatever, I'll get through it. Um, my point was, the most important thing about the documentary, as far as I can tell, is just how God does have favorites. God must have spent a little more time on Victoria Beckham, specifically the way denim fits her. I've never seen denim worn more perfectly on a human being. It's quite shocking. How can you just put on a pair of flares in your English countryside bohemian farmhouse? Like, it's nothing. The thing about flares in the home is if they're the right length, you do have to be wearing a short heel. And then wearing a heel in my home just doesn't really work. But for, it works for her. It works for her. And she always looks so uh, chic. And I, I really like her style. And her independent success with her clothing line and now her cosmetics. I mean, I'm just I'm, I'm happy for her. I think it was a really impressive and dynamic outcome for a, a Spice Girl that existed in a tough 90s media machine that really subsisted off of the reduction of of women. And I have a whole chapter in my book that kind of through a Spice Girls anecdote is explaining my feelings on um, a lot of different things about the female experience. And I do feel bad that I never wanted to be posh when we dressed up as Spice Girls and like, you know, VHS recorded it with my friends growing up. I think the Spice Girls for me, it just... It was a fun time in life where for once, for once, life was very hard for me as a blonde-haired, blue-eyed child. No, but like, you know, the blonde friend in your group like got to be Baby Spice. And like at the time, we were wearing baby tees or we were wearing tees that said things like baby or angel or princess from the limited to. And Baby Spice was just kind of like on brand with the times and getting, you know, drafted to be her due to having blonde hair just was one of those times rare times. I felt like God must have spent a little more time on me because I just always, you know, as I've said, I've, I've always wanted to be more of a Liesl, but, you know, in reality, I felt I was more of a Brigitte. So it was an honor anytime I was slated for a, a pop culture role that I wanted and, you know, my friends felt I was eligible for when we'd bust out the uh, video recorder and Nihu. So that's, you know, my pop culture thought of the week. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. I had the best time. And we'll thank a couple of our sponsors uh, who make this independent program happen. So we're so grateful for them. And then we'll get right to the interview given by Complex about a high heel in the home. I am grateful for Mark Fisher footwear, especially because they bring me up-to-date stylish, like, chunky loafers. We all know flats are back. My gosh, I have the cutest pair of closed-toe slingback dress flats called the Della that I need to show you guys because Mark Fisher Falls collection is casual luxe redefined. We all had are kind of having a moment with like Sophia Richie, super chic, quiet luxury vibes. And I think especially their boots this season are really taking back knee high in a big way. I haven't worn knee high boots for a while, but they have these like amazing fold over and slouchy styles that have modernized the the tall boot that I'm excited to try and take on. They're on trend for fall. My favorite pair that they have is called the 
Lena. It's like a foldover that comes in camel in black. And the the Mark Fisher LTD Fall 2023 collection is designed to be styled with individuality and worn on repeat, whether it's stacked heels, boots, and booties, tough luxe moto boots, or slouched buttery leather styles with Western flair. These high-impact boots provide the groundwork to build your style from the bottom up. And as I always tell you, the best part is they're kind of wardrobe heroes that you can wear on repeat within the season. They're up-to-date and trendy enough that they're on trend during the season, but they have a classic element that stands the test of time, and I'm still wearing boots of theirs from, like, eight seasons ago. So if you want to build your fall wardrobe from the ground up, shop the new pre-fall collection and receive 20% off your purchase with the code BETHEREIN5 at markfisherfootwear.com. That's M-A-R-C-F-I-S-H-E-R footwear.com for 20% off with code BETHEREIN5. This episode is also brought to you by Helix Sleep. My God, I love my Helix mattresses. You guys know this. We're so appreciative of how supportive they've been of our show over the past several years. And I have a score of Sarah McLaughlin. I will remember you playing in my head at night as I rock my child to sleep in a rocker and dream of being on my mattress one day soon again through the night. Helix is such an incredible company that makes a really high quality product. Their lineup offers 20 unique mattresses, including the award-winning Lux Collection, their new Elite Collection, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and even a mattress made just for kids. It has like a soft and firm side so you can flip it when they get a little bit older and it'll, it'll last them for years. Teddy can't wait. And the way you know which Helix mattress works best for you is by taking a sleep quiz and you find your perfect mattress in just under two minutes. It's a little bit vulnerable to buy something on the internet you haven't slept on, but not only do they have a 100-night trial, which is a great policy, and they'll literally come get it if you don't like it, but I don't think that'll be the case. I've never had somebody say that to me. And a 10 to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. But also the the reason they know which uh, mattress is right for you is because in that quiz they ask you, do you sleep on your stomach, your side, your back? Do you like firm, soft? What's your partner's vibe if you want to factor them in? And they have models with memory foam layers that provide optimal pressure if you sleep on your side, for example, or a more responsive foam to cradle your body for support and stomach in back sleeping. And I have one with enhanced cooling features because I tend to overheat at night. And when I took the Helix Sleep Quiz back in the day, the first mattress I was matched with was a Helix Dusk Lux, which I love. But as I mentioned, we compete in this house over our guest bed where the baby's bassinet also is. It, which is a sunset, and it is their soft model, and it's insanely comfortable. And if you don't want to take my word for it, Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. And if you want to give it a try, I love this deal because I'm a huge fan of the pillows. It's really hard to find top-notch pillows, but anyway. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash be there in five. This is their best offer yet and won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. That's helixsleep.com slash be there in five. I also always forget to say they have discounts for military, for first responders, teachers, and students. So be sure to look for those special discounts on the site. All right, now to the show. All right, you guys, today we have the beloved co-host of the wildly popular podcast, The Popcast, on the show today, which is a weekly podcast that she has with her co-host, Knox McCoy, that aims to educate you on things that do not matter but entertain but it matters the most to me that you're here to entertain us today, Jamie Golden. Welcome to the Be There in Five podcast. Listen, this is the most exciting thing because I have said Be There in Five every week of my entire life since I was born in 1975. And so it feels like a full circle moment to be at a place that honors that, that celebrates it, that uh, reveres it. And I'm so honored to be here. I appreciate you making that connection because a big part of my branding decision was 
What's something people say every day that uh, they'll now think of me forever when they say it? <laughs> That's exactly right. Well, it's worked. You're a, uh, you're a um, marketing mastermind. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I, I um, in, initially when I was writing your intro, I was going to call you the inimitable Jamie Golden. But then I was like, you're one of the few people that would know that I only know that word because of Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only reason I would know it at all. And I don't even know the context clues would be enough. And I'd be like, that seems nice. Like that's, I'm going to receive that. But yes, no, I would know that because of Hamilton, right? Because I feel like you guys, especially in your peak binge listening days, referenced Hamilton a lot like I did. It was really hard to get out of your head. And I feel like I've made it out the other side. Yes, I think. And I think for all of us, we have, I mean, we, we would put a ding in an episode every time we mentioned Hamilton. I remember that. that. It got annoying. Yeah. And it got pretty annoying to everyone. And then finally, because Aaron is, Aaron, who is our beloved at our company, she introduced us to Hamilton and then Knox became obsessed as all good writers do. And then I just really loved uh, staring at David Diggs. Um, mm. and grainy YouTube videos where it had been recorded. And so... Some heavy uh, breathing, was, scoring the background. Exactly. <laughs> and so, and then when I got to see it live, of course, it was uh, transformative. But yes, we were, we we went hard for Hamilton, <laughs> especially when it came out in the pandemic and we were like, oh, we're going to do a deep dive and we're going to get so many people. And it was like, we got four people extra <laughs> who were like, yeah, I have Disney Plus for Marvel movies. I'll come over here for a second. Yeah. Yeah, something about it didn't translate as well to the stage on Disney Plus. It was, it, I think it read a little more Schoolhouse Rock than I had anticipated. Well, it did. And I almost like, is this like a high school performance? Even though it's not that no, no shade to the Tony Award winners <laughs> who are in that in that musical. But we when we saw it, uh, in real life with a friend in Chicago, we, uh, the friend at the intermission who hates musicals only went for FOMO reasons, did not want to miss out on the night. And she said to us, she was like, I did not know that Thomas Jefferson was black. And I was like, he was not. What? Were you educated in America? And she was like, well, Georgia, but still. And I was like, he was not. And I was like, have you not paid attention to history at all? Oh my God. <laughs> no, we thought. I, yeah, it's, it's kind of like going to see cats and thinking it's meant to be serious you know it's just hard to you need a little context before venturing into the musical theater no you do because otherwise you're like that's a lot of cat uh beeholes <laughs> so many cat beeholes during this moving musical number am i supposed to be is this funny is this comedy and it's not but you think it might be like for sure we were talking about animal videos before we started recording and animal beeholes i really hate seeing and i wish people would put a tasteful emoji over them I, what the little heart because you love it you want your dog to have healthy digestive yeah, it just function wrong but i don't need to look at it the whole time this frenchie is barking at the mailman yes, i don't need that exactly yeah. exactly. I'm, no, exactly i'm glad we crossed that off our list for topics <laughs> had to get it off my chest uh, uh, for the listeners how often do you like to look at b-holes let us know <laughs> so okay i i did like a boilerplate of the pod- podcast but tell the people about the podcast in case they're not familiar. So it is a pop culture weekly show. We say that we're we we are the shallow end of a deep dive pool. And so Knox and I, we've been making it for 10 years. We just celebrated 10 years of the show. And we both come to it. He is the kind of witty, smart, uh, cerebral kind of take on pop culture. And I'm in like, I'm the person who's like, are they hot? Or are they not? <laughs> hot or not? dot com. Nine, what's your score? 96%. And so uh, it's a fun, we, we have a very much a 
a brother sister energy where there's a lot of screaming at each other. But we kind of take we do talk, talk about pop culture news, but it's not from a journalistic point of view. It is really just to mock all the things about ourselves, about pop culture. Uh, we once did an episode about boats in pop culture. I recently talked about the most iconic hats in mm. pop culture. And I got a lot of feedback that I had left off the icon. And you would appreciate this. The iconic Pharrell hat from the Grammys. Oh, yeah. The hat connected that to Arby's, of course. I know, right? And so we we talk about random topics, and then we'll we'll wander off into. We have a series that we do a lot, which I really point people to if they've never listened, is our nose series. So we will talk about the nose of uh, high school movies. We'll talk about the nose of Halloween. We'll talk about the nose of Christmas, the nose of dating. So, and that's often listener submitted ideas. Like we'll bring our own nose to the table, but then listeners will share stories that are quite chaotic um, in terms of there's a nose of motherhood where my favorite of submission of all time was a, a listener submitted that when her mother-in-law was on her deathbed, um, her and her husband were still trying to have a third child that they hoped would be a boy because they had two girls already. And on her deathbed, the mother-in-law said, um, this is really important to me that you have a boy. And so she turned to her son, Greg, and said, so don't waste it, Greg. Don't just... <laughs> Just don't put it anywhere. Then kick the bucket. And then kicked the bucket the next day. And uh, their third child was a girl. So uh, it did not work out, of course. (laughs) I've always loved Don't Waste It, Greg, because I'm married to it, Greg. Yes, of course. It's it's like kind of the perfect name for a, a male of an unspecified age. Yeah, you're just like, you know what I'm talking about if I say Greg, if I say Chad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I say Todd. And they're not all the same. They're a different cut of cloth. Right. They're not Brian, but they're adjacent. (laughs) That's right. It's not. We're not talking about Aiden. That's a completely different guy. Um, We're not talking about Terrence. That's a completely different guy. But you know who I'm talking about when I talk about Sean. Like, you get it. I do. I really, really do. (laughs) Seth as well. (gasps) Seth. Seth and Sean are pretty similar. They're similar. Seth's a little, uh, he's a little funnier. Uh, mm. He has a, and maybe that's the OC influence, right, right? But it feels like he has more insight to pop culture than Sean does. But Sean likes sports more. I don't know. I uh, honestly, that is a perfect take. I am aligned. Okay, good. Okay, can you tell me a couple um, notable pop culture hats? Oh, so uh, I would argue Monica Lewinsky's beret. Oh, God. in a in a grainy. <laughs> Grady, I know, right? You felt it right then. You felt felt it. it. Um, I also love Aretha Franklin's uh, inauguration at uh, President Obama's inauguration, The Bow. It became a meme. They put it on everyone, um, which I love. That's also when I think that was when President Bush, the junior, the painter, he uh, had trouble with a, a, it was raining and he had trouble with a poncho a clear poncho that's right and and he was having a good time near michelle and i like that i like their weird uh after school special friendship it's odd but i like it and then um i would say a pop culture hat for me and i talked about this in the episode one of my senior portraits from high school is me (laughs) in a uh dress that's two layers the bottom layer is all lace and then there's a floral light cover-up um, v-neck and then I'm wearing a hat with a large flower on it mm. due to blossom awesome. and her influence I know and I and I don't have the head for a hat that's not my that's not my that's not what God had for me but I was committed 
to the bit for the photo. And it's what's beautiful is they put a lovely Barbara Walters filter on it. So I really Ooh. do look ethereal, like I'm in Lord of the Rings. Little Vaseline on it. the camera. Yes. It's fantastic. That. It's like, why do I need to be so sexy for this high school graduation? But <laughs> I look wistful. Like, like, I, like Gilbert will come across the horizon and offer me a cordial. I do feel like hats that come up in the front and are adorned with some sort of decal are a trend we never saw again. No, and hopefully we will never see again. Yeah. Because can you imagine how many we would do? A, I bet if that came back, it would just be like, oh, I have a whole drawer in my Ikea Hemna's dresser drawer of all the things that I can swap out. So I can have a Halloween attachment. I can have a Christmas yeah. Hanukkah. The crocs yeah. of headpieces. Oh, I, you want a Tennessee Vols tea? I can add it to your bucket hat <laughs> immediately. Yeah, and I guess bucket hats had the pins. Bucket hats kind of came back, but yeah, I'm with you. I'll do a baseball cap here and there, but I have never felt confident in a fashion hat. I feel like if I, I sincerely walked into an airport with, with the Stetson, with a wide brim, people would be like, why are you in costume, ma'am? But some people look like themselves in a fashion hat. That's right. They look completely, they look elevated. Like they yeah. look like a better version of themselves. Whereas I look like, is this, are we being filmed right now? Are there camera people here? And we're supposed to notice her for some reason. <laughs> That's what it feels like when I wear a fedora. I could never, <laughs> I could never. I think about those tall Dr. Seuss hats a lot in the 90s. <laughs> also an iconic pop culture hat. But like, I, I struggle to uh, tease out there the origin beyond Dr. Seuss, like, why among like the use were the, those hats being sold like Spencer gifts and hot topic? Do you think it was because uh will buy anything with their babysitting money? Maybe. Or is it, or was it something that was like, Oh no, we're into this. This is our vibe. Cause I never saw anyone wear those in real life. That's a great point. I don't know what occasion you wear that to. Or is that a decorative hat? Is that like a Hobby Lobby Joanne's hat like you bought this in the decorative section and right got it as a studio gift at a bat mitzvah that's right like studio mcgee put this in your living room this is a conversation studio piece studio mcgee put this in your living room <laughs> studio mcgee really taught us all how to live in homes that just looked like look like they're staged homes for sale like it kind yes. of taught us to have no personal items that mean something to us but to put like a, a giant knot on a stack of books <laughs> Call it an heirloom. <laughs> and please make sure the Dior is one of the books yeah. in that, or the Chanel is one of those books. Yeah, I don't know why. I, I guess because we, we, we're constantly consuming beautiful homes. I, I, I'm a maximalist at heart, so I want as much art as possible stacked on top. Of, I want it to feel like a woman for sure lives here who has no children, mm -hmm. no heirs, and she's just kept it all mm, until she dies. And we're going to have to go. Th it's going to be a situation for my nieces and nephew to go through when I get older. But I do think people who are like me, I'm not really good at having taste. So if someone will say, look, this all this looks khaki. Right. Would you like it? And I'll be like, okay. <laughs> and so, and, and you can all get it in one spot on the end cap near the candles. Right. Okay. This right. sounds great. <laughs> I, I think know. a lot of us are just don't we don't know what to do so we do whatever is provided to us by uh, some sort of design influencer you're absolutely right it's kind of um funny as an a person who like the background of my home will sometimes be on my instagram stories the way people troll you for being a normal person is simply not okay 
Um, because normal people have like clutter and like not everything matches. Normal people move into a home and it takes them years to decorate it. But um, it is kind of crazy how we're used to seeing beautiful homes and then assume ours and everyone else's should meet an aesthetic. But most homes in America do not have it together in that way. No, we all of us have somewhere in our kitchen something that won't fit in the recycling and that we've had to leave it out because we cannot fit it. Like I'm constantly having a bottle of Simply Orange Juice empty from weeks ago. <laughs> Yet we, I do think that's an influencer, almost like a, uh, a side effect that some people have jumped on and been like, no, my life is totally normal. Look how crazy. It's like uh, we had a backlash to it of like, look how chaotic it is. My kids don't even eat. So it's like the <laughs> flip side of it. And then you had, because they were like, no, I'm going to show you I how normally I am. my kids. <laughs> That's right. I'm crying all the time. You know what I was re- I realized earlier? Because I was going to lead with saying we met over an event people on the internet now know is the chicken tender in- incident. But I, I came to a podcast <laughs> show. I don't know which came you first. Did. But no, I won a Taco Bell gift card playing a game did. on stage. Congratulations. You're, you. you're you're welcome. <laughs> um, you earned that, though. Um, no, so track five came first. So when the pandemic, I don't know if you remember the pandemic, but we weren't going to events. But right. then you had ventured out with track five, and we're going to start it back up at the end of 2021. And Aaron and I were so excited because it was in Atlanta, and we have to go to Atlanta for everything. And so we were like, we're going to go. It's going to be amazing. And it was the first event with people that I had done in two years, almost two years. And I was so excited. And we talked about it today. We were like, we, it was the perfect track five. If track five ever comes back or any version of it, like I, you have to go if you're listening, you have to go because <laughs> you create such a fun space where everybody feels connected. Every feel, everybody feels like they understand the same weird and hilarious references, but also there's alcohol. And sometimes there's music and there was, and we had, we went and we had waited. We were two doors down, two blocks over at a hotel and we were waiting on a DoorDash that never came. And that was our first mistake because we did not follow up and go, is there like a bar in my purse? Like every good woman has, we did not. And so when we got to your event, there were so many sweet crossover listeners who love you. So many Beths who are also BFOTs, best friends of the show and they just kept buying us alcohol um, all for the, fr- I think I had five drinks, five cocktails in the first hour <laughs> before you had gone on stage <laughs> looking stunning. And so we were very, like, we were probably the most supportive audience members you've ever had. The most. It was we, great. You were in the front row. <laughs> I felt we alive. were so wasted already. Like we were, and but we, I remember it perfectly. I remember it was rare, but I remember it, every bit of it, because we just realized we were very hungry and we didn't have any food and you would invite us back. We met, we took some photos. It was lovely. We met Courtney, who was a delight. And Courtney had chicken fingers. They were probably an hour and a half old. Like At they'd least, been there yeah. a minute. Yeah. And ranch was congealing. Asked, and Courtney, because she's running an event, that's the perfect time to ask someone if they would give up their chicken because you know they're going to say yes for any reason. I know that working with people at events. And so we asked, could we have her chicken? And of course she was like, of course you can. And so then we just started face, listen, we started FaceTiming people that we knew in other states. We FaceTimed the founder of Olive and June Nail Polish. 
<laughs> and we're like, hello, SGT, what are you doing? <laughs> and then we took video of ourselves. I'll repost it uh, in the feed because it's one of my favorite things uh, of us just being like, Courtney's amazing. Kate's amazing. This chicken this is ridiculous. Chicken. <laughs> <laughs> and it was maybe the best chicken dinner I'd ever had. And you were so lovely to uh, embrace our chaos. And that was when I also learned, you know, I'd watched a lot of movies and TV shows where people pretend to be drunk. And I'm not drunk very often. I prefer a gummy life. I live a gummy life now. But I remember thinking, why do people lay down on sidewalks? That seems so fake. Like, that's not what somebody would do. But I'm telling you, on West Peachtree, that's exactly what I did. And Aaron had to say, we're almost there. You have to get up. And I was like, this is where I'm staying tonight. You you gave up? I gave up one block from the hotel. Because I couldn't imagine going any further and she persevered because she's an Enneagram three. And that's how it always works is you always need to be out in the world with someone who will persevere. I feel like that was partially my fault. A, I was excited you guys were there. B, I know we have a lot of overlap. So when I was feeling overwhelmed by the crowds, I'd kind of create a diversion be like, did you see Jamie B. Golden, Aaron H. Moon right over there, (laughs) ripping fireball shots. And people be like, what? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and they go buy you drinks. <laughs> and they would go buy me drinks. So thank you so much for that whole story. You you orchestrated it beautifully. You were a beautiful writer of that moment. I love it. I think of it fondly. And you were in this fantastic, like, um, you looked fantastic on all the track fives because you always had your Atlanta Taylor was my favorite inspired. outfit. It was fantastic. Are you kidding? And we had gotten our Etsy shirts. You know, our uh, our Etsy, like mine was Child of Divorce with Harry and Taylor. Yes. Such a different era, right? Wow. Um, and we were so proud of how cute we looked. And and we did, and then we were just red-faced and sweaty, uh, holding a chicken tender <laughs> how it's somewhere. How meant to be. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Was that the same era where the internet was obsessed with Taylor Swift and Harry Styles uh, allegedly communicating through song that they committed vehicular manslaughter? Do you remember that? Yes. Oh, my gosh. I do. I, out of the woods let yeah breaks too soon breaks too soon gosh i listen i love that because i've always thought dang that hippa because i want to know i want to know the nurse i want to know the front desk i want to know the physician's assistant who was dealing with those two like when they came in what is your what's your mentality i just think about that too with like what's your mentality when beyonce comes in to deliver twins like what what's your vibe totally like what I would, it would be the best day of my life. I'd be like, this, I'm going to meet these Sir and Rumi before anyone else does? This is right. amazing. I thought about Kate Middleton the whole time I was giving birth. Like, really? it's, so, it's so vulnerable to be splayed out like that and to be royal and super famous and then like five hours later have to come out with a fresh blowout, walk down some stairs and introduce your bambino. It's just cruel. Can you imagine? Like, I can't even imagine that. Like, I start my period and I take to the bed for 24 hours. Right. So the idea that I would put on a dress that's supposed to be memorable of my dead mother-in-law and come out and hold my baby in front of all these photographers, that is, it's an, the Brits. They're so extreme. I like it. And I was counting the days before, like the, um, you know, I, I even Stephen, Kate Mill to Meghan Markle, no teams here, but I will say in Kate's defense, Megan's wedding was 27 days after she gave birth to her third child and she was wearing a cream outfit and on day 27 postpartum I thought oh my god if I were on a world (laughs) stage today the way I would rage you can't even be away from a bathroom for more than 90 minutes and that surface is long 
Yeah, you're still wearing, aren't you? I would think you're still wearing the stretchy underwear. Oh, yeah. Maybe you're still not sitting well, on a... Potentially still bleeding. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't know. I, I saw that whole situation very differently after I gave birth. And I was like, yeah, I, even though the, the, her schedule shouldn't have revolved around Kate, it would have been the pits to attend the last royal wedding, like the last big, big one, not feeling your best. And I have empathy no. for that. Although she did look, listen, if anyone can pull off a, a postpartum glow up, it is her. Oh, I know. She really looks stunning. She she's she's ventured into a fringe bang, which is something I think about often that I've n- absolutely no business cutting. Do you think about fringe bangs often? Oh, I got a fringe bang earlier <gasps> this year. I did. I went to my hairdresser. I was like, "Is it time?" Now, and I know it's not time. Is I have a time? widow's peak. I have a widow's peak and two cowlicks. <laughs> I know what my head can and cannot accomplish. And I went in and I was like, I think I want to try it. And she's an excellent hairdresser. And so she was like, okay, we're going to do it. And we did it. And I mean, by the next day, I said, what can we do to fix this? And she's like, time, time and patience. That's it. Because you don't realize that it looks so, the fact that it looks so like, oh, I just woke up like this. No, somebody worked real hard on that fringe to look like that. Yeah, and I, I mean, and, yeah. short hairstyles require a level of styling that I don't think people are always ready for because it looks like a low-maintenance cut, but it, it seldom is. No, and I think with – but I was surprised when Kate went to a middle part and then brought in that bang. I was like, good for you. Listen, when we talk about teams, I am team Megan and team Kate. Right. I am not team all – I'm not team royal. You know what I mean? Like, I think good for them. Yes. Get yourself into this business. Yes. Do the best you can. Anything that can take away focus from Camilla, that's what I'm looking for. You're so right. Right? I just, again, I just always go back to you. He said he wanted to be her tampon. Like, that is who runs that business now, that pair. And so I just think, no. Like, I'm, I'm rooting for the younger generation, for sure. George, most of all. George, most of all. George, most of all. You know what's funny? I was thinking about this because one of the prompts people sent in was, like, you know, my book is called One in a Millennial. You're a proud member of Gen X. Yes. And people were mentioning, like, what are some distinctions? What are some common enemies? And the, I think a knowledge of Camilla as the tampon versus the Camilla we know today <laughs> is yes. like what comes pops first in your mind is probably a, a solid distinguisher. And the other one I was thinking about was I, I do feel like millennials have an underappreciation for Janet Jackson's discography. And she deserves oh, yes. more credit. Listen, Janet Jackson... I, the only reason I owned a military jacket yeah. at, at age 11 was because of her. I was like, I also, too, want to belong to a rhythm nation. Yeah. And so I felt so connected to her. And you're right. It's one of those things. It's like I have an affection for Mariah Carey, non-Christmas Mariah Carey. Absolutely. That knows no bounds. And I always think, oh, you just missed out on those early years when she was, you know, marrying that garbage record executive. Mm-hmm. And... But she was hitting those notes like, like Ariana Grande could never, you know, could never, although she could, but she could never. And I just, <laughs> she I, can, I miss, but also not. she a hundred percent can. She could actually imitate it perfectly. <laughs> but I, I just love those two particularly that you, you don't, you didn't get that specific thing. But millennials, I feel like the talent that is in your generation that you got to appreciate is a nut. It's a next level. I mean, the fact that you got both Beyonce and Taylor Swift. Right. 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 That's just, that's next level. Like you can't, and all the boy bands, you got all the boy bands. I got new kids on the block. That's the least of these, you know, and you got the top notch. 
I mean, I mean, 98 degrees, but still, like, really <laughs> impressive boy banders. That's true. I, I, yeah, I feel like I die a little inside when I see somebody coming up for karaoke and they're singing Mariah Carey and I'm like, oh my God, yes, like, please, hero, fantasy, whatever, always be my baby. Right. And they sing, we belong together. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, <laughs> why? <laughs> Don't do it. You're missing out. You've, you've got, you've fast forwarded to number nine on the best tracks. This is not even, I'd rather listen to the Christmas music. It's not right. Wait, no. so do you have any other like distinctions that you think are key or like common enemies that we share generationally? Well, obviously, I mean, the most obvious enemy is the boomers. Uh, mm. Love them. Love to be raised by them. Uh, I do think it's time for them to maybe not run our country. Um, right, right, right. Fully, like 100%. So, but I think our common enemy probably would be talking on the phone. Do you like to talk on the phone oh, casually, God, no. like for leisure? I hate it. No. And I don't either. I, I don't think most Gen X like to just, because we, we had to do it. And the way we did it was it was a cord and it was, we were burdened by it. And so I think it broke us of that, of like, even with the, the invention of wireless phones and even like cordless phones to wireless phones. It was still like, well, this is not a leisurely activity for me at all. I want to be controlled environment when I have to talk to someone on the phone. Oh, I fully agree. And I actually called, I had to call a doctor's office earlier. And I realized I still drop into my um, baby, like my high pitched. Stop it. Like I, I kind of had, I got a phone. I was like, I just did the like, hi, Mrs. Smith. Um, is Sarah home? Do you think she could come over and play? Like the, the kind of little girl voice that I would used to use with adults. I don't know why. I just I felt myself doing it. I think I'm just anytime I'm a little anytime I get on the phone, I feel nervous. And then the way I react, I can't plan. No, that's that's exactly right. Because when a doctor's office is because I love listen, I love a text system at a doctor's office. Please let me have a text option. Mm -hmm. Please let me have a chat box that comes up and I'm talking to an AI robot named Rebecca. I, love I want a robot. that. I like I, and listen as America's uh, rejected middle child, which is Gen X. Um, I do think that we can be obviously angsty. Thank you, Nirvana. Mm -hmm. And then I think we can be very um, work is our identity. Like I have to really struggle with that because I, I very much can be a workaholic. And when other people aren't and they have like life, like personal life balance, mm. I'm like, huh? How'd you get that? Why don't? <laughs> Do you not want to be more like me? And they're like, no, I actually want to spend time with my friends and family. I'm like, okay, well, I'll just work till midnight and that'll be fine. And you'll live a different life. That's okay. Does it freak you out when people say they meditate? Oh my gosh. Listen, <laughs> I, I am in this, I'm in this Enneagram personality group that meets for a year. And one of the things that we have to do is called a sit. And it's where you have to do a contemplative sit where we meditate midday, over what happened in the morning and then what happened, oh, like, wow. what are you looking forward to? And I don't do it. I don't do it. I'll put, I'll, I'll put that here right now in case anyone's listening from my cohort. <laughs> um, my apologies. I've never done it because meditating with, with, with also having an ADHD diagnosis is, uh, it's not my best life at all. It's very just meditating and sitting down and creating the environment and lighting, you know, lighting the uh, volcano candle and then sitting down and being like, I'm going to meditate on the universe and on God or whatever. And then within probably, I would say, 86 seconds. Right. I'm like, did the mail come? 
I don't know if the mail came. Wait, no, God's mailing you something right now. <laughs> Listen to him. He's at the door. He's knocking. The knock and he'll enter. Oh, someone might be at the door. Let me check. Do I know? So it's not my best. Meditation is not my best. I would love tips if anyone has any for how to meditate better. I can't do it. I I grew up in, uh, you know, idle hands are the devil's playground, America. Like I yes. I would. I thought stillness was a sin, a sloth, really. Um, and which brings me to the next thing I wanted to ask you about, which is a part of your podcast universe that I love that a lot of people love, um, is the Bible binge slash, is it called faith adjacent now? Or is that two separate shows? No, it's called, we renamed it because we had covered a lot of the Bible and we wanted to have conversations. Truthfully, we just wanted to have conversations about, uh, uh, Beth Moore and, (laughs) uh, like we wanted to have conversations about Maverick City and maybe Jennifer Knapp and uh, Point of Grace. And so we mm-hmm. had to kind of reframe it. We're having faith conversations in the light of like our motto over there is uh, in conclusion, no one knows. And totally. that really is our motto of like, we like the Bible. We're interested in it, but we're having conversations about faith that are like, how does the church handle this? How does the church uh really mess this up how do people of faith mess this up including ourselves so we're not afraid to point the fingers back at ourselves and so we kind of backed out and we're like is there a way to do this where it makes sense also for the show we said this is a perfect time for us to kind of reassess and see how we can make the show feel like it's not quite so attached to bible people who only interview you know because there's a lot of great people in religion and spirituality who are talking about all kinds of faith from all kinds of perspectives. But we were like, we know that people know that this is a Christian show, like it's coming from a Christian perspective, but we also have a lot of critiques of the church and we yeah. were often disappointing. We got so many bad reviews because it'd be like, they're so, they're heathens, they're heather, they're heretics. And we were like, yeah, but like in a good way, like in a fun way, like in a fun <laughs> Sunday potluck kind of way. <laughs> right. And so that's, that's why we changed uh, the name. And so that's been, and it's actually been a real success for us. We've grown and people have, they come with l- different expectations, which has helped us too in terms of. Just dealing with crazy emails from listeners mm-hmm. who are concerned about. It's always funny, though, because people will sometimes say, when we, we have the podcast, they'll be like, well, you're, um, you're a Christian, but you're so awful. <laughs> and so it's too, I wish I didn't know you were a Christian. And it's the weirdest Yikes. critique. And I go, wait, so you wish, based on your faith belief, that we were just hell bound a hundred percent so that you could enjoy our podcast. When we talk about the Kardashians, <laughs> I'm so sorry that we've disappointed you. <laughs> like It's such a strange, it's just a strange topic, but we, but again, they're both based in comedy. So we're trying to have fun conversations, uh, but about things that matter maybe a little bit more yeah. than over at the podcast. Religious based comedy is really one of my favorite genres. It's, I just think under celebrated because I, w- one of the reasons I, I, love what you've done with your love for pop culture and religion and making it more comedic is like, I mean, the whole premise of faith, it can't exist in the presence of certainty. Like the whole faith is believing in something that you cannot be certain about. Exploring those uncertainties is not only healthy, but also it's like, man, something that's requiring my, you know, soul for eternity. Like I should be able to ask some questions. I should be able to push back. (laughs) I should be I, w- I should be able to ask for the terms and conditions and like cease a list of some sort yes. before I sign up. I think for us we we 
for us, as we've gone through the show, making the show, we're, if you looked at us in 2017 versus now, we're very different people in our faith, but in the bet for us in the best way, we've loosened all of our grips. And that's been a challenging experience as somebody who grew up in the evangelical church. My mom was a church secretary. My dad was a church treasurer. Like, and I, I am one of those teens who was like, we can only listen to DC talk. We must mm-hmm. burn this Madonna cassette tape. I cannot listen to this anymore. And then, of course, had to like go back and buy, buy them all back right. 10 years later. But I think for me, one of the things about the show, it's been, it's such a been a refining process, which has been hard because when you, because always, and I, growing up, I was always like to my mom, after church, I would be like, what if we're wrong? And what if the other churches are right? And it didn't matter, mm-hmm. like it could be Presbyterians, but it also could be like at the local synagogue or whatever the case may be. And she was like, don't worry about it. <laughs> Let's watch Andy Griffith. Like, oh and I was like, okay, <laughs> don't worry about it. And I, and I think that's actually, it's been a very helpful approach of like, love the thing you love, whatever that is in your faith, but also don't take it quite so seriously in the sense that. I like, we've seen a lot in pop culture recently of Christian influencers rising up, uh, particularly Gen Z, of being just fear mongering from the beginning. Right. And I know fear is a great marketing tacti- tactic. It's used uh, by everyone, um, including, I think about Hello Tushy all the time about like, I'm so scared that if I don't use a bidet, am I <laughs> as clean as I could be? And so I think Christians have tapped into that and been like, let's use fear. And it's funny when I talk to people of different faiths, whether that's within the context of Christianity or any other kind of faith, they'll be like, y'all sure do use fear a lot. Like that's not really what our vibe is. Mm -hmm. We're really much more about the love and affection of the faith. And I don't know why we have gotten so trapped by just the fear mentality when that, I I just don't think that's supported by any of, if, if, if you're a believer in God, I just don't think that's supported by anything he does. Like it's just, it's so silly. Like, it's, if you take a magnifying glass to it, I think you realize, oh, this is much muddier than we even thought. And it's okay to love it, but like understand its place in the in the universe. Yeah. And, and I think it's like fair to identify like there's so many loving elements of it. And the God of love, I'm sign me up, but the God of wrath that before I had any critical thinking skills just scared the shit yeah. out of me into behaving a certain way. I think you can objectively say, like, well, those are tactics used to control people. How else are you going to how else are you going to besides scare the shit out of them? And I just I don't know. To your point about the Christian influencers, I I talk about them often because I think it's like the new televangelizing is like Maddie Pruitt, Sadie Robertson on the stage, you know, talking about being sweetly broken, wholly surrendered. And um, Maddie, I, I posted like a thing about Maddie Pruitt. I think she was probably talking about like Doja Cat's song about she's the devil. Um, oh, yeah. And a similar thing happened with a little Nas X last year. Um, and you DM me, you're like, oh, a topic we could talk about. Former legalist here. Because I was kind <laughs> of like, OK, I understand you can have your beliefs about hell the word hell, the word devil, like they're common figures yeah. of speech. Like you can't, you don't have ownership over this concept where you can say, if I, if I use a phrase like devil's in the details, you're like, I'm not, I'm not a Satan worshiper. And I'm like, this is a offensive to the people just using common figures of speech. Exactly. But be not what people mean at all. So in general, do you avoid deviled eggs? Do you not have a dirt devil? Like what's the vibe? So what, <laughs> well, what did you do in this time in your life? Well, it's funny. Cause I think about Obviously, Maddie has not survived a satanic panic like I have. So once right. you've survived a satanic panic, you very much see it all differently. Because I was really, I remember growing up, I, my friend Tara, 
who I love desperately still and know to this day, her family lived underground in a house featured in Architectural Digest in the mm. middle of nowhere, Alabama. And, but first of all, they lived underground, so they were closer to the devil. And so mm. that was already a problem. And then her mom wore snake brooches. And I was like, well, that's, and they did not go to church. So I was like, this is a situation. And I remember going to her house for, that was the first time I ever played with a Ouija board. And I was in, I was all in. You I don't know why. The I was in like, house with the mom, with the brooches, with the stick. I mean, yes. That is a recipe. I I don't blame you. I know. And her mom was an artist. And so all on Tara's wall were uh, Pink Floyd album covers like that she had painted. And I loved it. But I remember going like it was probably like 1130 at night. And I went to the kitchen for my night milk, which I still drink to this day. (laughs) And I went to get my night milk and I opened the fridge and there were uh, there was beer. There was Bud Light in the fridge. And I went. I found Miss Mortensen and I said, Miss Mortensen, I need to call my mom. And she was like, honey, is everything? And she was so sweet and like wanted to help me. And I was like, I have to call my mom right now. And so she, she got me the phone. I called my mom. They're asleep. They, my mom right. is groggy. And it's like, is everything okay? I was like, you have to come get me. And she was like, what's, what's wrong? And I was like, there's beer in the fridge. And my mom, without skipping a beat as the method as she is, she went, don't drink any and go to bed. <laughs> You're a narc. Love you. Bye. Yeah, stop it. Yeah. We're not doing that. How dare you? But I did go through like a classic youth group life where all I knew was what my pastor who, to be honest, had no training whatsoever None. and so no continuing do. education. Exactly. And I just believed everything he told me. Mm-hmm. And it all seemed really scary. And I remember, I just I, I want to apologize if there happens to be anybody listening from my small town, I apologize to you all, all the ways that I terrorized you as an evangelical teenager in the 90s. It was tough because I wore, I mean, I went to a purity banquet. I stopped listening to all, like I stopped watching TV shows. I only like, I was like, we cannot even think about going to Disney. That mm. is serious. And so I loved a boycott. And it wasn't until I went to college that suddenly I met well, my college, one of my college roommates was Catholic. And I was like, oh, this is exciting. <laughs> so exotic. <laughs> and I suddenly got to meet all these people from all over the world. And uh, everybody had a different faith. Everybody had a different perspective. And I was just, and I, it's funny, the, my co- college roommate, it was like, they were the only two Christians I knew in my dorm. And so it was beautiful. It was actually such an awakening for me. And I was like, oh, well, like, you don't seem awful. Like, what? Right. That's weird. And so it was this, it was an awakening that I went through all through my 20s of where I just started. It's, it goes back to uh, just proximity, right? That's such a common thing of like, if you can get proximate to people who see the world differently and are different, then you will be different about those things. And that is what happened to me. And then as uh, the course of making the show and just, I tell people I'm more in love with God than I've ever been. I'm less in love with religion than I've ever Mm, been. Yeah. And so it's been a nice balance of finding my way. But listen, I was the, I was the worst. Like I was constantly, like I was thinking about yearbooks and how many verses and I would make sure I wrote a different verse in everybody's yearbook so that if they all sat down with them all at the same time. That's a paper trail, Jamie. I know. And I'd be like, and and listen, to be fair, it was classics. It was just, yeah, you know, you forgot to love the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. All out of context. But I was like, they'll know that I know at least 28 Bible verses <laughs> by heart. And that will be my legacy. Um, it was not my legacy. It was, you know, just more hatred. And, and I'm so glad I 
broke free of that. And so now I'm always hoping as I meet people and through the show, particularly that when they are trying to deconstruct all of that themselves, it's like, yeah, we were just, we were part of a tiny little cult Mm -hmm. that's actually one of the largest in the world. Mm -hmm. And there's a way to break, there's a way to take inventory and keep the things that might matter to you or not. Like it may be that you take inventory and you go, there's nothing here for me. But you also can take inventory and go, oh yeah, this and this are for me. And my concern about these influencers, it's like we're repeating, which is not a surprise, right? right. We're just repeating this uh, process of how can I use fear? And again, always ask yourself when you see these people talking and posting, where's the money? Like, where's the money? <laughs> Where And with with some of them, the the money was in the marriage and the and the and and the reality show that they were on and the but they, but I don't think people are connected that one of my most encouraging things is I see a lot of these influencers m- get book deals and you know how hard that process is mm-hmm. and you wrote your own book that's not the case for everyone involved yeah. in these books. But I'm so encouraged because I'll wait and I'll go and look like a week later and go, how many books did that person with 4 million followers sell? And it'll be 4,000 copies. Right. And I go, exactly. Like you're just something to be of, I'm just, the your followers are just voyeurs. They're not interested in really, like they're just interested in what you're saying in the short term. They're not invested in you. And so yeah. that's the only thing that gives me a little bit of hope. Yeah, that's a good point. Because, yeah, sometimes I do get really concerned about, how influential these messages are. But mo- I mean, most people are probably there like me kind of gawking being like, wait, does she really yeah. believe this? And it's, it's, it, it's in the extremities. Like, like we talked about, I mean, the, there's an even ground that's totally normal and healthy where you can share your faith, your beliefs, whatever. But then I think for probably both of us, because I had a period of time where I was <laughs> insufferable as well, like <laughs> pulled my sister into the bathroom, weeping, crying because she drank alcohol. She was 21, by the way. Uh, but I just thought, <laughs> yeah, Captain Morgan was steering her like right into the. Well, she was going down a horrible fryer. path, yeah. slippery slope. Yeah, and I think about like crying because this guy I liked that was my close friend. He like smoked pot, but like at the time I didn't know it was like such a boner killer. I thought I was Christ's warrior, <laughs> but he was probably like, "Go away! Like I'm not interested." And you I'm not really going to be convince yourself you're doing the right thing. And in hindsight, it's so mortifying. But I think that goes to show how manipulative this can be and how the 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 most convenient form of sneaky evangelizing the way like I got roped in wasn't like familial. It was like extra cheese pizza, church lock in, summer camp, ropes course. It's, Fifth quarter. Come on. I want to go have a party after the game. Uh, and, and I don't think parents even understand who are sending their kids to this. Stuff. Like, it looks like good, old fashioned, wholesome fun that's supervised. And it, to you know, their credit, I didn't get in a lot of trouble in my youth, you know, other than telling my mom, I was concerned that Santa was jumbled Satan and we shouldn't want <laughs> earthly possessions for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> that we should only be rooting for our heavenly home and yes. what and how it will be decorated in <laughs> knots on books, stacks of books. For me yes. to abandon commercial Christmas just goes to show how far gone I was. I would never. You would never. never. Are you kidding? I know. Yeah. I know the fact that I thought all Christian like all Christian music was better than Mariah Carey. What are you talking about? That's ridiculous. <laughs> Jamie, we don't have um hand choreography to Mariah Carey is the difference. <laughs> 
I know. I, I can't shout to the Lord. I just don't know how to shout to the Lord the same way. If she would now, Mariah Carey, if you're listening, and I know you are, if you could do shout to the Lord, I do know all the hand motions for that. Shout to the Lord is one of my top prison songs of all time. Of course, power it and is. majesty praise to the king. Mountains bow down. <laughs> After uh, seas will roar. Shack, she killed that. She killed, she killed that. It. I wanted to ask you: Were you held hostage by Rebecca St. James? Wait for me. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Nobody go. I didn't make it even to first base because I was like <laughs> Rebecca St. James would be very disappointed if anyone made it to first base with me. This episode is brought to you by Book of the Month. I'm so excited to have them back on the podcast. I think after. Writing one myself, it made me a more enthusiastic reader, and Book of the Month provides the perfect experience for dedicated readers that are looking for a personalized experience at a great value, but with a level of curation where you always know you're getting something good each month. The way it works is at the beginning of each month, they announce new selections, and they focus on, I love this, new and debut authors that readers may not have found otherwise. And members pick one of the new books as their book of the month and can add backlist books to their box at a discount as well. I know avid listeners of podcasts often prefer audiobooks as well. And book of the month also recently launched curated audiobooks in addition to hardcovers and members can choose and download and listen right in the app. And in the app as well, members can rate and review and participate in reading challenges, which I think is really fun. And yeah, I just think it's great that they now offer two formats on select books. Sometimes I want to multitask and listen to one. Sometimes I want to hold a book in my hands. I just, I like having options. Obviously, it's ideal to have the personalized experience of picking a book yourself, but the curation makes it so all the books are good. You, see, you really can't go wrong. And for example, on October 2023's list is a good balance of like thriller, fantasy, literary fiction. There's the Unmaking of June Farrow by Adrian Young, a thriller called When I'm Dead by Hannah Morrissey, and, and so much more. I'm starting with Wellness by Nathan Hill, because upon reading that, you know, from the gritty 90s Chicago art scene to a suburbia of detox diets and home renovations hysteria, I was like, sign me up. Anyway, if you want to try Book of the Month, this is a good deal. Get your first book for $5 with code be there and 5 at bookofthemonth.com. Get your first book for $5 with code be there and 5 at bookofthemonth.com. Listen, and I want to find because I think I mean I don't, I almost said is she still alive? Of course she is. Like she's probably still alive. I want to go to her like uh, I kissed dating goodbye yeah. author mm-hmm. Josh and just say how you feel about all that. You feel good about it? Right. You feel good? No, you don't. And I I'm concerned that she might be like yeah, I say about all that. Are you sure? I know. Are you sure? We I we know. I do think. Faith adjacent needs to do a deep dive on Rebecca St. James, and it will probably last about 90 seconds, but it might be worth your time. Just see what she's up to lately. We've whiteboarded an episode where we're like, CCM artists of the 90s and the aughts, where are they now? Mm. And we, I think most of them are either like deconstructed, they've finally come out as their queer selves and owned it Mm. in a beautiful way, or they now run a church that costs $450 a year to join. It's like mm. there's no middle ground of where everybody ended up. So I'm really curious to see. And she would be included in that, of course. Her, that would be uh, for him, uh, P.O.D. Just find all, oh, the, yeah. all, the, all the success uh, folks. And then Chris Tomlin, you know, like all the worship leaders from that, oh, that the passion days, of course. DC Talk had that course, that, that Jesus freak course. Yes. It was like a PDF. And it was... 
all about um, witnessing and uh, Christians, despite being a religious majority in America and in Congress, uh, being persecuted <laughs> and how you needed to go to all your friends and what will people say when they hear that I'm a Jesus freak. And right. it was, but that was like a merging of Christian pop culture with actual doctrine in an interesting way that was extra poignant to me because I don't know about you, but as a lifelong pop culture lover, I was very stressed when they would delineate between the church and the culture. I loved the culture. So when there was church culture, culture, I was excited. Listen, the most confusing verse of my whole life was be in the world, but not of it. And I was like, wait, (laughs) that's like in people's yearbooks from you. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Kelly from Quarter, Alabama still has that written in her book. I'm so sad about that because now I understand that, that that was so out of context. And it was like, no, like the, actually the culture is where we could shine you guys with love and affection and justice and all the things, but like we've turned it into like, well, I, when the alarm goes off, the spores are coming out of your phone and you will be a zombie. Mm-hmm. So there's no, I, I think now, like looking back, I go, I'm not surprised that I feel victim to all of it, but I was a, but I was a willing participant, you know, right. for so much of it because it was like a safe space to connect to but it was so confusing because I did think because now I can look back as a pop culture podcaster and I'm and I can see like oh there's so much sacred in the secular like the Mm -hmm. fact that we tried to Mm. delineate them there's so many beautiful things whether your faith is Christianity or not like there's so much beauty in I know this seems crazy but like there's so I watch Station Eleven the TV show on HBO Max and I just go that is a stunning like, oh, yeah. a, it's a stunning portrayal of so many tenets of my faith that does a much better job than Kirk Cameron could ever do in any mm. film ever or Kevin Sorbo. Like I'm seeing much better faith lived out in those spaces than the places where we try to isolate ourselves to. Because you you went to the you were a part of the summer camp circuit, weren't you? I love a summer camp. Listen, summer camp for life. You as well, obviously. Oh, huge fan. Water skiing for life. Water, water skiing, skiing for life. And so, uh, actually more, more than one person brought up, like, what are Jamie's knows of like summer camp, Christian summer camp, like any really will do. And as two self-identified indoorsy gals, I feel like we probably have more no's <laughs> than yeses. <laughs> no, we for sure have more, more no's than yeses. Because I would say the only yes is archery. Like, I would never get to do archery in any other kind right. of circumstance. Very and so very chic. I know. And I love that. But, like, I think about – because and I have done all the camps. I did uh, GA Girls in Action Camp as a young girl at Shaco Springs. I did cheer camp where I learned how to do a backbend and then never did it again. <laughs> I know. Swim camp, art camp, yearbook camp, math camp, but many Christian camps. Love Loved a Christian camp. What wrong? What's wrong with it is uh, so many things. First, let's just talk about the emotional terrorism <laughs> of combining a dark, woodsy area, mm-hmm. uh, historically known for only bad things will happen here, mm-hmm. with the threat of eternal damnation. Mm-hmm. And we are now playing capture the flag, but we're using it under the theme of this is the uh, this is the uh, apocalypse. Mm-hmm. And will you stand for Jesus, or will we put you in this hole? That we have dug specifically for this game. And like one team does have to lose, which is kind of out Someone of does hands. have to go to hell, Kate. I don't know <laughs> what to tell you. Someone does have to go to hell. And just like the general lead up. It's like, I don't care how much fun I'm having. I In the back of my mind, I know I'm going to have to get my soul saved again, which for a shy right. gal having to go up in front of a crowd was just a lot. Oh. 
No, it's too much. How many times can I get saved? And or for me, you know, we were a once saved, always saved. But you could oh. rededicate your life every Thursday mm. of camp. Um, because and I liked the, you know, when the lights go dark and the beach balls are no longer, they've they've right, gathered right, them up. Right. Um, and someone is doing it's a, a camp pastor who will later be in prison uh, mm-hmm. for what we learned about what he has done. Yes, yes. Um, more pedophiles in the church, y'all, than anywhere else. I think if Spotlight hasn't taught us anything. Let it be that. Um, and, you know, the news. But I would remember thinking, would I be whole, like, will my youth pastor be proud of me if mm-hmm. I rededicate my life? It was almost not about God. It was like, when I come home and my mom and I can tell her and she'll be so proud. And she wasn't. <laughs> she was like, okay, good. could you clean your room? Because that could be part of rededicating your life. <laughs> but I... For me, I think camp was like the 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 most difficult thing I went through at camp was usually at teen camp. So like a fuge camp, an infuge, a centrifuge, and it was hot camp counselors. Mm, gosh, who like love the Lord? Who quote love the Lord? Mm-hmm. And they were they probably did not, or or they did, but not in the version I needed them to. And I'm supposed to am, am I supposed to wet hot American summer this while also loving? Lord Jesus Christ, I cannot, I cannot be asked to choose between these two. And so there was a lot of, you know, like figuring out like, why does, why do I have front, why do I have front bottom shivers? What's going on? Is this right. healthy? Am I a bad feeling. person? Yeah, exactly. Well, they, it's, yeah, and your bathing suit had to be modest, but they were shirtless wearing, trink, you know, Why was I seeing their nipples? You yeah. can't see my nipples? And that, I actually, that is like one of the most fascinating things about that experience to me is like, they used to make us li- make lists of like the ideal traits for our husband and talked about our husband so much. Like all I thought about was this husband. Yet I wasn't supposed to like think or lust after anyone, sex, nothing. So it was like, let's make it the foco- focal point, but also tell you you're going to hell if you think about it. And That's right. that really confused me. But also I got in trouble because um, they told us to make a list of our husband's traits. And I, my number one trait was wears a watch. Know thyself. I've always had trouble with time. I got in trouble by my counselor because she said it's supposed to be godly. How ridiculous is it to give you free reign to make a list and tell you your answers are wrong? Exactly. And doesn't God care about time? Doesn't God care about the courtesy when you scheduled an appointment to show up? Isn't that about integrity? Isn't that, isn't that, aren't there so many qualities of faith that can be found in the swatch watch that I, maybe your future husband is wearing? I completely agree. And I actually really struggled to know what a godly man meant. Because in my head, that's why I was lusting after the six packs and the like at the swim test. But it wasn't they had they looked like Greek gods. They weren't like godly men. It like wasn't I wasn't it wasn't translating <laughs> what I should be looking for. And I felt and there's a chapter in my book about this kind of to your point, too, about like I wanted to impress my youth pastor, not God, by rededicating my life to Christ. I would like think about how to hold my hands during worship songs. Yeah. Like so I could do it like the hot girls did. So I would be like the like mega holy mega hottie. And they would like, no, I worshiped so hard, but it wasn't really, that's a sick thing. I was a shallow kid that wasn't ready for topics of life, death, eternal salvation. I was just trying to look cute as possible to my crush. And that's what I cared about. Exactly. Because how could I at 14, other than understanding that I was saving up for guest genes, how could I guess what the what the Lord of the universe wanted for me? There was right. no way that my brain being as curdled mush as it was. And I'm not saying that 14-year-olds and 16-year-olds can't make important decisions and can't weigh pros and cons and, and be thoughtful and compassionate people. But they for sure, I don't think, can understand, other than how they're told, 
the full the fullness of the universe and all that it entails and understand a document that came together in very questionable ways. Like there's no way. And you just believe because it's just you want to be a part of something. Don't we all just want to be a part of something at that age? And we want to be accepted. And I for sure did. And so I let myself be like, yep, that camp counselor Because they showed she has on a bikini. She's definitely not as godly as the girl in the skirt, you know, the skirt bathing suit. So I I look back on it and I go, it's we make it even worse by like tying it to fun and free Mm -hmm. food Mm -hmm. and free swag. Every women's retreat I've ever been to. I'm like, I do want that journal, though. I do not trust what she's saying. Love a devotional. I love this pen. It has a crown on the end of it. Like I'm a child of God and part of the royal family. This is very nice. <laughs> I love a Christian bookstore. I used to marvel at the jewelry. Like I was at it. It was Jared, like the, the Jesus fish, yeah. the, the the crosses that I, I mean, I can't imagine they were anything other than rhinestone, but they just look shining, shimmering, splendid. Oh, a little, is that a holy grail? A little <laughs> charm on my Pandora bracelet? I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like uh, earlier you mentioned yearbook camp and okay, I was racking my, because A, somebody wrote in that like Jamie Golden went to yearbook camp and I was like, oh my God, so few people have been to yearbook camp. And then I was so like, few. okay, what the hell did we do at year? Like, what can you do for multiple days Yeah, for an entire work day a- about a year? I mean, layouts, like what else, like, what, what else are we doing grids. at yearbook camp? Well, especially because I went to yearbook camp several years before you. So there was no digital component to what we were doing. So it wasn't like oh, we wow. could take photos and practice like, here, you stand like a football player and you act like you're tackling him and let's see if I can get a good photo. It would be like, let's do that. And then let's wait till tomorrow when we develop this film and see if this worked <laughs> out, like on this instant camera. I don't know. And I do remember it being a short camp and it was at a university. Like here it was, I went to the University of Alabama for yearbook camp, but it was mostly just like, can you, it was, it was captioned writing for three days like can you write a sentence about these photos and I I will say the best writing I ever did was the colophone at the end of my edition of the yearbook as editor like I I've never written anything that good since not never and I'm I'm always thriving I try I'm always striving to get back to that like gosh do you remember what she said that paragraph god no but if I find it I'll 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 take a picture and I'll post it because um I'm sure it was our theme was uh, a, we were a colorful world, so mm. it was paint and palettes, really badly done, and everything. And it would be like, "Aren't you glad you came oh, to homecoming?" Yeah. Oh, so many times. <laughs> so Where'd you many live your life? <laughs> exactly, blue, red. I could, I could go over de- yellow, like so many things. So uh, I, but the, I fit in so well there because. The reason I loved your book is because, one, it was indoors, as we've talked about. I'm an inside girly. And I also loved it because I got to be involved in I got to be that nosy bee exactly. that was involved in everything. Exactly. Like, I had a little badge. I could go anywhere I wanted. Knowing the vice principal, get out of my way. I'm the yearbook editor. <laughs> no, literally. It was a permanent hall pass. <laughs> a to permanent. Go anywhere and do anything. And the best was like on club picture day. I don't know if you had club pictures. Yes, where of course. You sit in the bleachers and like 500 people that are in the FBLA. Yes. And then like uh, the thing I remember doing in your book is having to go through the legal pads where people wrote down their names in the club photo and make sure I put the caption of them all in the correct order. 
Yes. Only to realize, it, and it would be like first initial, last name. And then these assholes would be like, you know, I'm Brett Igdick. And it'd be like B dot Igdick. And I'm like, oh my God. And so, and I wasn't always, you know, I wasn't very experienced in that department. So I didn't always catch them. True love waits. You're not worried about dicks. Yeah, you're, no. you got a purity ring. What are you talking about? Brett must be a transfer student. Um, but to your point about nosy, I, I think that there's a lot of, uh, it make, I feel like our careers make sense as former yearbook staffers because I was yes. always interested in people. I always knew who everyone was. Yes. I felt like a lot of my friends were like busy with sports and activities and like academics. And they'd be like, who was that kid? And I'd be like, that's Trevor, brother of Jason, live in Crown Grant. Like I, I just knew everyone's business. And I don't, for no reason other than I was just like interested. Yeah, you're like, he's a National Honor Society. He got Best yes. Smile last year. Right. Like, I know all the things. <laughs> and that's really important for our work now so that when people go, who's that actor? I'm like, oh, for such a time as this, you're oh, welcome. Absolutely. I'm going to be able to nail this. Yeah, I love that. But when I was growing up, I wanted to be my whole dream in life. And it's in a yearbook. Like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I think it's like sixth grade. And it was, I wanted to be a game show host. That's all oh, Jamie, I dreamed of. you good at that. Listen, I would kill a skinny mic on the prizes, right? Like I would kill it. But that's all I thought about because I just love that they got to meet so many people from mm -hmm. all over the place. And that was my dream. And that's, and like you said, it's been part of the work that we get to do that even digitally. We get to meet people from all over the place, famous or not. And it's, it's the most fun. And then of course I get the mic. I finally got a mic. So it's pretty, pretty, pretty dope. A skinny mic is so chic though. I, well, I don't know why people don't use those more often, like Dancing with the Stars. Why is your mic so thick? Yeah, this is a perfect time. I don't even, to be honest with you, as someone who's been on a mic for 10 years, I don't understand why these are so big. And I don't know what's happening inside of it to make this great sound. I don't know. I don't know. So I don't understand why. live shows. Everyone has yeah, normal like, mics uh, and you just have a Bob Barker. And it's Barker. corded and it's corded all the way to the backstage. <laughs> it's like, I'm sorry, my cord is not long enough. Hold on. Let me, you stand over here. Yes, exactly. You were t uh, the other thing, too, about, like, high school and yearbook, uh, I think, like, the clubs were such a racket. Like, uh, we're all kidding. Our, we're all lying. Like, we're all just padding our resume with nonsense. Like, I was vice president of the FCCLA. I had no intentions to future lead my community <laughs> or commerce or career or whatever the hell else. But, like, you just wanted the title. We were hungry for power. And I think that that's interesting to look back on, too, is how meaningless all that was. But, like, colleges really buy into that bullshit. Yeah. And it doesn't make sense. Like, what, what is the difference between Beta Club and National Honor Society? Like, what was like, what is an alpha, we... Jamie? Thank you. <laughs> well, that's for dang straight. Right. <laughs> I, I didn't understand why, because I all I cared about was getting into college, but I wasn't because I, I had ADHD and I was very distracted and unmedicated other than Mountain Dew. My mother thought that was a sufficient, uh, di like a diagnostic treatment for my Mountain ADHD Dew? was Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew, 100%. I've drank a Mountain Dew twice a day in school. And it did help, to be honest. Uh, Isn't that like is the go-go juice from Honey Boo Boo? <laughs> yeah, that's 100% right. Mountain Dew is Mountain Dew's going to ruin your insides, I'll just tell you, for long term. It's not, the, it's not the solution you want. It's better to be on amphetamines, truly, than to be on Mountain Dew. But I, when I was in school, I was like, well, I just have to get into it. I just want to go to a college far away because mm -hmm. I w grew up in a rural area. And by far away, I meant two and a half hours away. That's how far I was willing to go. Yeah. And all I, ha all I cared about was like, if I can just get through this first semester, because back then you're, 
it, like once you were in, accepted in the fall of your senior year, the rest didn't matter. That's probably not the case anymore. Listen, I dropped every AP class second semester. Mm-hmm. I joined the choir. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna now be an artist and learn perspective, and I'm gonna learn how to make that box 3D. And I dropped every. I failed my. I couldn't drop out of AP English. I failed the senior project. She was like, You know, you're gonna make an F. And I'm like, I just can't do another note card. I'm sorry, Miss Vest, I can't do it. And I'm already getting into college, and so I ended up missing out on like salutatorian because I was just like. No, I, you were I up for f- salutatorian. I know how the dumb beta is that? club of the valedictorian salutatorian <laughs> dynamic. <laughs> exactly right, and I just turned my back on it because I had other plans. So because I all of those things, like I was a member of every club, I was in the peer helpers. Do you know the last person on the planet who needs to help her peers? <laughs> it was Jamie Golden in 1993. She should not have been helping anybody. But you're right. You're just building your resume. And hoping for a good test score, which is what helped me out. And But looking for a good test score and just trying to, for me, was to get out of the town mm-hmm. I grew up in. Not to, I'd never moved far away. I'm still 30 minutes away from it. But it feels like a world away. Yeah. Um, but that was my whole objective. Because it doesn't make sense. Like, why are we, why are we all in the Spanish club? Can any of us speak fluent Spanish? Can any of us read no. other... No, we can't. Well, it's interesting, too, that when you threw caution to the wind and just dropped your title, you, you, you know, kind of fear, fear, fearlessly pursued the arts, it sounds like, to, to join the choir. And I've never been in it. Second semester, senior year. Was the skill there? Were you in magicals? Did you wear a vague, no. like, black choir bottom? I did wear a vague black choir bottom. That's my I favorite part alto. of chorus. <laughs> well, listen, and you become an alto when you come in the last minute mm-hmm. of your yeah, senior yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. Like, you have to become an alto. And I was not talented. But I knew how to take deep breaths, which mm-hmm. is really important it is. skill when you're singing. And I knew how to stand and tilt my head to the left mm-hmm. if I needed to for, like, a photo. But, no, I was not. And we went to, like, all county. And I just, I'll tell you, wow. I did not belong. I did not belong. I, But I I had the confidence of someone who did belong. I was like, I'm so glad I helped us win all county <laughs> with, with, with me going, ah, uh, <laughs> like, that, that's the only thing I was allowed to do. That was it. The glamour of having a good singing voice in high school. Whew. Oh, it's just are you like, kidding? You can sing part of your world from yeah. The Little Mermaid Best at a track talent show? Oh, I wish. And maybe you have red hair, too? Oh, yeah. There's no way. That's, I mean, that's, you're living your best life. I wore, I was overweight, and I, I'm still overweight, proudly, and I was overweight and I, I wore umbro shorts, but I couldn't mm. fit in girl sizes. So I wore men's umbro shorts and cut out the mesh because they were swimsuit right. bottoms. <laughs> Listen, so that it would match my peer helper shirt yeah, on the first yeah. day of school. And I remember the girl that could sing really well came over and said, are you wearing men's shorts? And I was like, what are you talking about? Do you need help from me? I'm a peer helper. <laughs> Umbros were fierce. They had like a... um prismatic element to the yes. fabric a hundred percent like that 100%. children's rainbow book with the scales yeah like if i was in the right light i would let there would be a rainbow on that gym wall like, <laughs> yeah. and it would be i would bring magic to that space orange you glad to be with me at peer helpers <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly so did your pursuit of the arts in late high school influence your later 
dabbling in a very important industry that is so awesomely specific to the 2010s, which is, of course, <laughs> cake pops. The of cake course. pop cast. I, I could have done a deep dive just on the cake pop era of Jamie Golden. Can you tell us how you got into the industry? Yes, because, you know, I attended your uh, five-year anniversary show and watching your entrepreneurial life fly by in that deck was the most magical. I'm like, look at us just trying to have anything hit, anything, anything anything hit. So for me, what happened was I got a liberal arts degree, which I don't know if you know, in the the late 90s was not very valuable. Mm -hmm. And uh, no one I went to college with left, like they all went on to law school and medical school and uh, school of Public Health. And I was like, I'm going to become a social worker, I guess. Like, like, that seems like a plan. And I fast forwarded to, I met Knox in a writing form because I was a blogger in the aughts because mm. Reed Drummond and uh, what was your blog Deuce, called? Uh, Jamie's Rabbits. Oh. Which, by the way, is not a great name for a blog. A lot of for golden puns. I mean. I I had so many. But you can put your last name. Come on, Kate. You can't put your last name on the internet. People might know who you are and they want to meet you or something. But (laughs) I, it was Jamie's Rabbits because I had ADHD. So I chased a different rabbit every day. But don't worry. Every post was named the post about just like friends. Just like friends. Just like friends. And so it was cliche. And so I met in a writing forum. I met Knox because I was like, I'm going to be in a writing forum. Now, I'm not a writer. I'm just a person who makes observations about the different flavors of Cheez-Its that are available to us at the Publix. And so I met him in a writing forum and he just randomly was like, hey, would you like to do a podcast? I was like, what's a podcast? Wow. I've never listened to one. And so he was like, let's recap The Bachelor. This will be a test. And we recapped Dez's season of The Bachelorette uh-huh. um, because she did not get chosen by Sean Lowe. And uh, it worked out. And so he's like, let's make a show. And so we made a show. But making a podcast, as many people I'm sure know, is not – you can't just make a podcast and make money. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it can take many years. We did, We were not profitable until three years in. We weren't trying to be profitable either, so we were not really great at it. We had other jobs, but I had left my job as a social worker, and so I needed odd jobs. So I had odd jobs where it was funny. I I was a consultant, a social media consultant, for probably eight months to two parenting blogs, and I do not have children (laughs) or know anything about having children. And the fact that I was helping them build their platforms, both of which have uh, shuttered, it seemed like I wasn't a great choice for that. But in the midst of that, I was making cake. Bakerella was a baker at the time on the internet. Mm-hmm. And she had been featured on Ree Drummond's blog at the ranch. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, oh, that's fun. And I like cupcakes, but they're too ornery to decorate because I didn't want to use fondant. And so that's literally why I chose cake pops. It's because I was like, well, you don't have to use fondant. And so this can be super fun. And I just... Slowly started learning in my kitchen. And by 2016, so we started the podcast in 2013. By 2016, I had made, I had made 25,000 cake pops in one year. I mean, nuts. Like weddings. I had done tons of weddings, tons of like college events for local, local colleges who would be like, this is the medical school where you make stethoscopes and like coats on sticks. I'm like, yep. I'll do it. And I bought all the equipment and I bought all the stuff and I worked kind of at a home kitchen through the state. They let you make baked goods in your house, which does seem questionable a little bit, no matter. Um, But I did it. And the last cake pops I've ever made, because I'll tell you, as you might imagine, when you make a hobby a job, it will break you of that hobby. Um, And I, the last cake pops I made were in 2018 for Harry and Megan's wedding. 
And that was it. And I was like, this is it. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> and I'm only doing this because America is involved. And that was it. And so I've never, and I've never made a cake pop since, like not even one. Not even uh-huh. like uh, in Bridesmaids where she makes the one cupcake right. as a memory. Just for herself. I, just for herself. I haven't, no, I haven't done that. But it was great. It, it was the thing that allowed me to not have to go get another job. So I'm for, forever grateful for it. And if you go on the hashtag, because the name of my cake pop company was Jamie Sweet Revenge. Oh, that's a great name. It was, that, that I named decently, not my blog, but that. And uh, you can still see, like the hashtag, you can see all the cake pops I made over the years. It's nuts. What were the cake pops for the royal wedding? Were they wearing fascinators? So I made like, you know, one of the, one of the, uh, what's the, what are the guys that like stand and like wear the big the black hats? Boys? Thank you. Well, no. no, like the, the ride, the horses. The guards. The guards. Thank you. Someone's like. I think they have uh, a name. So the guards, I would make their hats. I made American flags. I made British flags. I made a wedding dress uh, that was not hers. I had to guess. Not, but not um, ill-fitting. <laughs> Please. Can we talk about it? <laughs> I mean, I wanted her to have an Are we allowed to talk about it yet? The time people are very defensive about. I don't understand that. Like, we can talk about that that wedding dress wasn't. Like, in the same way that we can talk about that Kate had an amazing wedding dress but had bad eyeliner. Like, very harsh, needed to be blended out. Just a little, uh, like a little smudging. All we needed was a smudging brush. But, like, we should be able to talk about that dress because the dress I made on the cake pop was better than the dress she wore (laughs) in real life. Truly, I mean that. And then I made like uh, the I made um, a fascinator hat on like a a vague white person head with no eyes or nose or mouth, um, which was my vibe uh, nice. for sure. I was like, oh no, this is modern. This is minimalist. <laughs> this is modern. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And so, uh, and then like a wedding cake. I made a wedding cake with an H and an M on the top oh, as stunning. the cake topper. Because you, am I wrong? That you make cake toppers. That's right, right? For a brief time. That's in the archive. Yeah, that that was one of the things I talked about <laughs> that show was... Uh, I loved it, by the way. <laughs> I, You know, I think once you've found your thing that sticks, people think of you as that thing, but it was a long road. Can't forget your, your roots. I can't believe we both tried to get it. I mean, you successfully are in the cake business. Mine wasn't because my my big idea was a lot of people were buying them for proposals Right. And I would make two, one if the person said yes, and one if the person said no. So it would be like, congrats, Rachel and Cody, and that's okay, Cody. The idea is you get sweet treats regardless of outcome, because I was feeling stressed by the surprise proposals. Listen, hey, sharks, that's a great <laughs> idea. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's a fantastic idea. But I get that, I get because you would send both, right? Would would, both, it was yes, a package yes. deal. Yeah. See, that's an iconic idea i do not know why etsy hasn't jumped on that that is fantastic i was always solving problems that no one had um <laughs> but you gotta find your place in the sky it's tough out there well and i i know that you're incorporating this sensibility that you have that you've always had and that you obviously showcase here now which is so great but i think you also made you made onesies right you made onesies that were yeah unique and weird I, bad puns um it, mark ruffalo there's a mark oh ruffalo yeah you're my there. you're my one in ruffle only like what um <laughs> I, there was a pitbull onesie mr worldwide awake stop uh, it why it's, is teddy not wearing that it's right the, now the whole the, the thing is it's not even doesn't even capture my spirit because 
it's all very wine mom-esque. Not that there's a problem with that, but you know, everything happens for a Riesling. Very home goods town. I don't want to talk about it. I love a pun, but there does there there was a, po- a, a point I, I even maxed out in the 2010s where everything had words on it. You know, and we just don't all need yeah. our jammies to say namaste in bed. No, and and we don't all need a tiny uh, a tiny cake pop that looks like uh, C three PO from Star Wars <laughs> to celebrate our birthday. We don't need that. Like we don't. It was a great season. Starbucks while it lasted. cake pops are still thriving. Like they, there thriving. wasn't any obsolescence. You just lost interest, as we do when we monetize our hobbies. That's the risk we run. No, that's right. But I do think the thing with Starbucks is I think most kids don't want a lemon loaf. They're just like, this is not interesting to me. Right. I would like the snowman or I would like this pumpkin. Right. I think that was just figuring out, oh, these parents are bringing their kids to here. In the same way that now we have a pup cup, we basically have a cake pop for a kid. That's a really great point. <laughs> and I, I, perm, I, I, of course, I'm still hung up on Meghan Markle's wedding dress. I was thinking about this recently and I want to know if this is your problem, too. I think that like a planned three quarter length sleeve is kind of weird. Like, and I shop at Ross Dress for Less, but at Ross Dress for Less, there's like a lot of blazers that are already cinched at the elbows, giving you the illusion of a pushed up sleeve. But it's not a pushed up sleeve. It's just the illusion of a pushed up sleeve. I feel like when three quarter lengths came in style, I remember very distinctly, I was in middle school, boat necks, three quarter sleeves and like condom pockets, like little tiny pockets on the side of the sleeve were all the rage. And that dress kind of gave me that energy of like, I don't know, like a planned rolled up sleeve that like just should have gone full sleeve. I I just don't understand where it hit on her forearm. That was my biggest issue. Because I've always been a fan of the three quarter, even when it's not been in style, because I have very short arms. Mm. I have a normal sized torso and my limbs are a situation. So uh, I loved a three quarter length because it was like, oh, this will be normal on me. Mm. But but she has a she has an average woman's arms. Mm-hmm. She doesn't need that. And so and I don't think she even wore like a bracelet or anything, even like something really dainty. I also remember thinking like I wanted a bridesmaids. I really, because I just really wanted actors. I wanted Oprah to be a bridesmaid. I wanted (laughs) Abigail Spencer to be a bridesmaid. (laughs) That's exactly right. (laughs) I wanted Donna in like a nice Jessica McClintock something. You know, I I wanted that. Well, we didn't get our Pippa moment. I feel like the Pippa moment from the back was the moment in Will and Kate's. Pippa, can we be honest? Pippa wore the best wedding dress of anyone that's anyone. No one has ever looked more beautiful. Like, Ever. Who can make a half up, half down with baby's breath look that timeless and chic? Who can make baby's breath look that stunning? And and I love it. I am a secret lover of baby's breath. I'm like, look, it's a dainty, tiny flower. Why I need to keep it. that a secret? Why? Because I think I think a lot of people are like, how dare you not acknowledge roses for their beauty? <laughs> Listen, roses smell like roses. That's not yeah. my vibe. Like, yeah. it might as well be lavender. It's not going to work for me. But a baby's breath? I love a baby's breath moment. It, and it really I would wear baby's breath in my hair every day if I could. And it's a funny flower name. <laughs> like baby's breath <laughs> baby's for the breath. most part is very breast milky. Yeah, it's not it really always is. good. I can like, attest been... it's mad milky. Tugboat just hangs out around his mouth because it smells like mac and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> now, well, now I'm back in mac and cheese. Like, can you imagine? Is that a, is that a, is that a way to flirt? I don't know. I might be into it. One of the things people submitted that made me laugh. Be- okay. Somebody said. Talk to Jamie about twins. Jamie loves twins. And then Courtney texted me and said, Kate, Jamie doesn't love twins. Jamie hates twins. And I'm like, am I getting trolled with like the reverse topics of what Jamie likes and doesn't like? 
uh, listen, shocking part, both are right. Okay. <sighs> Love twins, fascinated by twins, only identical. Fraternal ah. twins are a waste. Now, listen, I'm not saying if you're listening and you're a fraternal twin or you're a parent of fraternal twins, your mom did a hard thing, but the juice was not worth the squeeze. Like mm. it wasn't because you have boring two people who don't look alike. Right. And so to me, and, and his history would show us there are some top notch fraternal twins. I said the iconic would be Luke and Leia, despite the fact that they mm. did make out that one time before they knew they were. But you, I thought twins were supposed to know. That's why I've always second guessed fraternal twins. It feels like they don't have the twinness that the identicals do. And the identicals, for me, it was because I'm older. I, it was really the Grady twins in The Shining, like in the Overlook Hotel, oh, yeah, beautifully matching in every way, scaring the bejesus out of me. Mm-hmm. It was a it was a core memory for sure. And then, of course, the Annie and Hallie of it all from oh, right. the Parent Trap, right? And then, and for me, it would be the original and the remake. And then Austin Powers and Doctor Evil. I think people forget they're identical twins. Yeah, and that is a real Mario Wario situation that can <laughs> exactly. spook you if you think too hard about it. That's right. But I, I like the idea. I do I do love identical twins raised separately. And listen, yeah. there's a documentary, the documentary about the triplets oh, that were yeah, all that raised thing's separately. Wild. <gasps> that is the most uh, fact that he walks across campus and he's like, Hey, we look alike. Yeah. This is a situation. And I love that. Like I and I don't want I don't want kids separated from their birth families if it, unless it's absolutely necessary. As a social worker, that is the last resort. But I also do love the idea that twins that share every bit of DNA live on other sides of the country. I want to yeah. see the ver- I want to see the Montecito version and the Richmond of Virginia version. Like mm. I want to see how they interact and how they live their lives and how different they are, and then how much they are alike. Like how nurture could not overcome it all. I love that. It really is the ultimate control exposed nature nurture test. Yes. And I think growing, I think my affinity for twins not all, is like growing up in the peak age of Mary Kate and Ashley, obviously, but like also the, the, the wistful idea that I could be walking anywhere at any time and see somebody who looks exactly like me is crazy. That's the best. And like, it could be an evil version of me is even crazier. <laughs> Like they could have, like they could have your dog. Like they picked out a dog that just looks right. exactly like Tugboat. Right. And they were like, this is Speed Racer. And you're just like, what? Why is your Tugboat named Speed Racer? This doesn't even make sense. <laughs> what a horrible name for a dog. That's ridiculous. Why would you? <laughs> That's ridiculous. I know. I was going to ask you if those double mint commercials were triggering when the twins were really running oh. prime time. Double your sentiment, like, your merriment, your moment of fun. I know. And they're skiing. Why are they skiing? Why now are they're they running. Ski- they're so athletic. Why do they have to be athletic? Why can't I'm interested in twins that are actually not that productive. Like yeah. that are like, yeah, we just, we both, we're also inside girls and we don't go outside and we, we like just read. Like we like to gab. That's exactly right. That's what I'm looking for. And then there was the weird sexual co-opting of twins in the like nineties or I think like Super Bowl ad that was like, and twins. It was like a beer commercial. I love football on tv do you remember that (laughs) yes because every man thought that twins every cis man was like twins would definitely want to be with me at the same time which is so weird because it's incestual i never understood that no because they wouldn't want to be with you at the same time by the way that's sean who thinks that that's sean yes so who think that that's exactly right (laughs) and but no like why would they want to have like why would they want to have sex with their sister (laughs) 
Like, what are you doing? What's going on? And is that who you want to be with, even for a night? But here's the thing. Sean does. Sean does want to be with her. I know. You're right. It's tough. You're right. And I think also Jessica and Elizabeth, Sweet Valley High. Mm. Mm. The fact that, like, one was sassy and one was academic. I love that. I always thought Rory needed a twin. I would have liked yeah. uh, Lorelai to have Rory and Tori. Rory and I would have enjoyed that. Tori. Like, that would have been that would have been pretty good. And Tori was, like, less bookish, more athletic, yeah. more, like, into health food. Yeah. Tori smoked after Chilton every day. I was wondering. I, I actually didn't know if you were part of Gilmore Girls Nation. I don't know if I've heard you talk about it. Well, I did. I loved Gilmore Girls at the time. Listen, uh, Amy Sherman Palladino for life. Like right, right. The, the fact that she is so quick and so smart and writes eight times as much dialogue as any other writer in TV. I love that. But I, it was the it was actually what broke me of it was going back to it after it came back. Because I went to, listen, there were Luke Steiners everywhere all over the country. And I went to one and got the mug and drank the coffee and turned off my cell phone. And I loved it. But then when I rewatched it, I was like, because I rewatched the whole series to kind of build back up to the the seasonal version of it. And I went, oh, no, there's, Emily's the best. Okay. Mm -hmm. That was not presented as, and maybe it was, maybe Amy the whole time was like, yeah, I knew Emily was the best. Like, I knew she was the least problematic. But y'all just got attached to these, this mom and this daughter with a weird relationship. And you realize, I don't, I don't think everybody comes back to it this way. But me, I'm a classic who came back to it. Oh, Rory is not enjoyable no. to be around. It's like Belle in Beauty and the Beast. Like if you watch, if you rewatch Beauty and the Beast, you go, oh, Belle's a problem. Like she's so mean to those people in the village. Like she's making fun of them in that song. And it's not great. Right. I think the <laughs> lesson is if. You're bookish. You're kind of a bitch. <laughs> and aren't we? I'm a bookish person and I am kind of a bitch. Like just a little bit, like for sure. Because I've read about the horrors of, of what happens in Narnia. Like I understand right. things that maybe you don't understand. But yeah, that is a common denominator. I'm not, I'm not sure. Are you, have, cause you've been rewatching Gilmore Girls? Yes. And I heard somebody say, and I don't know if this was something prophetic I heard in person from a great thinker or if this was a TikTok in passing. Um, but they said the first time you watch it's for Rory, the second time it's for Lorelai, the third time it's for Emily. And I'm probably oh, in my so third grand rewatch where I'm really understanding how it's about all the girls, all three girls and th that yeah. are Gilmore girls and about a matriarch that was, you know, denied of the majority of her only offsprings life, trying to love her in the only way she knew how. And when your definition of love is money, is buying someone things, it, and they are rejecting it, they're rejecting your love. And I just, you know, Emily has like so many problems, but so much more comedy than I gave her credit for yes. when I was younger. I just didn't realize how funny she is. Um, and yeah, she's a woman of her time. And I think that's the best, most grace we can give to any pop, like pop culture rewatch is really think about how and who was of its time and try to not look at it from like a lens of today's metrics for like what is and isn't problematic. I know Knox has been really good at helping me do that. We do a a thing. We do a thing every month for our pay community, which is a cinema side piece. And we rewatch a movie from the past. And, and for me, it can be hard sometimes because you rewatch it and you go, 
like You've Got Mail, which is beloved, right? And it's a perfect fall movie. But you look back on it and you go, Joe is a problem. Yes, like he yes, is very manipulative and, yeah. and poor Kathleen. She just needs a bookstore. Like yeah. this feels like it's been, but I go, is that the right? Because when we did that, a lot of people really got their feelings hurt because they were just like, it feels like you're criticizing what I love. And it's like, well, yeah. we are. That is what's happening here. But also we should leave it there because we were talking today because Hollywood Reporter just put out their top 50 shows of the 21st century, which uh, on, a, on a Thursday in uh, October, what are we, what are we doing? <laughs> Tall but, order. I know, I know. And 30 Rock is the number four oh. on the list, top comedy wow. of all time. And I was like, oh, but, and I, listen, I became, a Liz Lemon was my entire personality for the run of that show. And because it, it was like, someone could be so different and wear a slanket and eat cheese right. on her couch. Right. I loved that. But I look back on that show and you go, oh yeah, there's like, there were a lot of problems. Like A lot. And that's like a more recent history show where I'm like, oh, I can't even believe this was chill in 2013. I know. And it was like, yeah. it was. Even that Gil- Gilmore Girls remake, you just go, she's, she's, she's like, she's breaking everybody's heart and everybody, she's making it. It's almost like Lorelai woke up in that and went, hey, you're the problem. Right. right. You're the problem. Finally. I know. Someone said it. And I, I love the idea of cinema side piece because I think that, that that's rom-coms is, are really tough for people because you, you want to celebrate, but you can't help but criticize, yeah. especially as a woman. And it's like. Yeah, like, do do we want to bring up that Alex Hitchens was manipulating women into sleeping with his client? Yeah, yeah. And no, I thought that don't. was a love story for the ages. Oh, we were like, look at look at how this model could fall in love with Kevin James. <laughs> like, this seems like the dream come true, as if that would ever happen. Like, on any planet. I, like, on oh any my planet. God. One time I bet Greg that I could make a funnier stand-up set than Kevin James. Um, because it just pissed me off how I be- well his stand-up does. No, I do, I do believe that's accurate. Actually, I would like you to put that bet into practice and we all come to your shows. People wanted to know, like, to you know, as of today, per the segments like Cinema Side Piece, you guys have all sorts of fun, consistent segments. Um, do you, so can you explain uh, the origin of Flavortown to people? And subsequently, if you currently have a spicy take you think is worth taking to the airwaves? First, a non-spicy take I have. Uh, the safest take ever, because those of you that have tried to see uh, share with me your reviews that are just as glowing as your skin. Osea's Andaria Exfoliating Glow Duo is the perfect thing, whether in the summer you're kind of rehabbing your sun-soaked skin, you're prepping it for fall, or just trying to stay exfoliated and hydrated in winter. It's kind of like a year-round product, and they're offering this dynamic duo right now that's two of their best-selling products. And they're infused with nourishing seaweed and designed to elevate your body care. And I just would hop on this while you can, because these are two of my absolute favorites. The Andaria Cleansing Body Polish provides an easy one-step exfoliating, cleansing, and moisturizing shower essential. It's this unique gel to milk texture, not like Jamie's Night Milk, but, you know, it makes sense on the skin and it smells outstanding. And that's what gives you like the dolphin skin base. And then the Andaria Algae Body Oil that's like TikTok viral, also viral in my heart, seals in hydration after the shower, moisturizes, and makes you glow all day. The biggest thing about this body oil I cannot get across enough is that it is rich and so hydrating, but it's not greasy. It doesn't get all over my sheets and clothes, which just matters to me. And the Andaria Exfoliate and Glow Duo is the perfect way to try two of Osea's best-selling products at an incredible value. You can save 16% 
on the Duo, plus with our promo code, get an additional 10% off. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, climate-neutral certified. You never have to choose between your values and your best skin. So prep your skin for fall with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. And right now, we have a special discount just for our listeners. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code BTIF at OseaMalibu.com. Head to OseaMalibu.com and use code BTIF for 10% off. Okay, so Flavortown came from, obviously, uh, patron saint Guy Fieri. Mm -hmm. And it was the idea that, because there was a lot of spicy takes on Twitter, and people would sometimes ask, like, what's your spicy take? Or what's the thing that you love that nobody loves or that everybody loves that you hate or whatever. And we wanted, cause there's, there's a fine line because a lot of times what will happen is when we request flavor town opinions, because we open up the residential gates uh, to the flavor town HOA that people can get in mm-hmm. and they submit opinions and it'll be, you know, hundreds of people will comment and it'll often be like Beyonce's overrated. It's like, that's not spicy. No. That's just you. That's just you that's making tasteless. an observation. That's right. <laughs> but one of my favorite mayors, and we always choose a mayor of the town for that mm, okay. uh, run. And like a recent mayor, Madeline Jeanette, I will never forget her name. <laughs> Madeline Jeanette said, first cousin marriage should be destigmatized. That <laughs> is spicy. Do you know <laughs> Took a swig of propel. How to spell it? I'm out. so sorry. I Madeline. know. I know. So that is a spice. That's a very spicy take. Or that. Or for example, that one person, Shelby Hahn, said once uh, she was a mayor. She said that there are three very hot people in the Santa Claus: uh, Tim Allen, Bernard, and Charlie. We were like, Charlie's oh, too far. No. Too no, far. Judge Reinhold. Come on. <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank you. Uh, and so for me, I. Here's what I would say is my spicy take. And it's only spicy to the practicers of this. As I do believe that uh, daddy daughter dates are creepy. Mm. Um, That when you take your daughter on a date, um, it sexualizes your relationship with her. And then when you add a corsage, it makes it uh, romantic. And so Mm -hmm. you've now combined a sexual and a romantic element uh, with a little girl who probably has Uh, confusing feelings about men in general and Mm. who can she love who can she not and so particularly if you were my age back in the day and you went on a daddy-daughter date to a purity banquet that's a whole other level of complexity but I think today I see in my feed all the time I saw somebody this week they're going on a daddy-daughter date that's a mistake Mm. you are creating a therapeutic need that doesn't need to be there and so that would be my that would be one of my my spicy takes how about you how what what would you what's something spicy that you have an opinion about that you might submit to get residency into Flavortown. See, I didn't, you know, I think I misunderstood the level of spice I needed. Now, listen, I gave you the extremes. Those are mayors. Not everybody's a mayor. Like, for example, we have incest takes. Listen, Reza, I know (laughs) you can work on it for next time. I'll circle back. But we like, for example, the woman that runs our company, Christiana, she thinks that Spotify is inferior to Pandora. That's a that's a spicy that's take. Spicy take. That's yeah. a spicy take that is not involved uh, incest of any kind. You know, Pandora was a bit of a. Uh oh. I thought you mentioned that. They had a, like, there was a curation a element there that where yeah. I would get lost in. It was frustrating because you couldn't pick what you listened to. You could pick the first song, but then it would that's just right. take you on a journey and then to a state farm ad. In the and, middle yeah, of that. right, which is jarring. Yeah, kind of like, yeah, true crime. It's like, and then he slit her throat. Zip recruiter. It's like, yeah. 
I wish we had segues, people. Um, yeah, just a musical moment. But I, I honestly was just going to say, like, my spicy take is, are, does Guy Fieri get too much hate? And do I want a plate of nachos on a bed that is a pizza? Kind of. Like, yeah, we, you do. we don't all need everything to be Michelin star. We don't need everything to be farm to table artisanal. I think there is a place for Times Square in all of our hearts. And we're yes. a little hard on the Guy Fieri's of the world. And if he has done something recently problematic, it, let me know. I don't know. Listen, sometimes you want to go to 30A. But sometimes you want to go to Panama City Beach. Yeah, PCB. Like you want to go to Jacksonville. Like you're like, I don't want to go to South Beach. I want to go to Jacksonville. I want to go to Far- Fort Lauderdale. Like that's what I, I'm going. I'm going to Myrtle Manor. Like that's yeah. what I'm doing. I'm going to Myrtle Beach. I don't need to go to Hilton Head. Like sometimes you just want the chaos that is a hot dog wrapped in a slice of pizza. Yeah, exactly. Like that's what you want. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that uh, I grew up around chain restaurants in my heart. I'm a boardwalk girly. And I, <laughs> the, 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 those are like my city lights, you know? And then I kind of had a pretentious era where I wanted to be going to farm to table places and supporting local businesses and all that crap. <laughs> and then I kind of came full circle in recent years being like, there, there's space for both. I think it's really satisfying to have a glass of wine at an olive garden. I think there's a pretension that I can fall into that I'm just trying to snap out of because there's validity in all types of culinary treats. I know. I used to feel embarrassed because I lived in a neighborhood where the only store near me was a Walmart. Yeah. And I was like, embar- and now I do Walmart pickup willingly and I embrace it fully. Walmart has great deals on Tylenol. I don't know what to tell you. Like, is it a problematic corporate structure? Yes. Does 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 many of its employees have to be on public aid because it does not pay well enough? Of course. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to make my whole my whole identity that, right? But I'm also going to I'm going to have some baby back ribs at a Chili's, mm-hmm. not at the local barbecue place. Like I am sometimes going to And I think that goes with for me, I love music, Pandora or otherwise, but I love music, but I really love pop music. Also People would be mad if I didn't ask you this, but apparently you predicted that Taylor Swift would date an athlete. Is that true? Listen, we do a predictions episode every year. And Knox is actually, we call him Noxtradamus because (laughs) he has this weird skill um, that he's really good at predicting. He predicted, our episode came out on January 6th. And he had predicted in that episode that we had recorded days earlier that there would be some sort of uh, insurrection in America. No way. I know. And we were like, day of, we were like, well. Damn. Nailed one right out of the gate. I know. So he's very good at this. So we he won't let me uh, predict death. He always edits it out, um, uh, which is <laughs> I free, Jamie. come to the table anyway. Predicting oh, I bring death. death always. <laughs> yes. And I'm usually, I got, like, last year I got three out of four right. Listen, I'm not I'm not predicting the deaths of, like, Timothee Chalamet. Like, right. I'm going, like... I'm going Bob Barker. Like Bob Barker's going to die. Right, like I'm, right, I'm coming right. with I'm coming with a fact based uh, theology when I come to it. But I did predict this year that Sophie. I predicted three things that have come true so far. Sophie and Joe Jonas would break up. I said that they would divorce. You did I did? Which is nuts. Dang. And I said it because. And in the moment, I gave the reasoning. I was like, I think Sophie is going to look up because her brain is going to finally be fully developed, her prefrontal right. cortex at 25. And I think she's going to look up and go, Why am I with this guy? He's not even the best Jonas. Mm. I'm with. The, I'm not even with the best Jonas, and I'm Sophie Turner. Look at me. I could be right. hugely successful, but I'm stuck with this guy. We're having all these babies. I want to be acting. 
I want to be free to roam instead of having to sit next to Priyanka in the in the floor of the stadium, right? Watching them sing songs from my childhood. I got to get out. So yeah. that was my first prediction. I predicted that NSYNC would get back together because I thought that Justin Timberlake would look up as a man of the woods wow. and realize he did not have anything to do. That there was nothing going on, and he thought. I think he thought that his acting career would take thought off. Thought he was it above didn't. it. That's right. Wow. And then I predicted that she would date an athlete. And I, I did that because I predicted that because I thought she needed somebody competitive, but not in her field and not even in at the, the arts. Yeah. I To go back to that, I think she needed somebody competitive who understood power and front facing. You know, I've loved and you've talked about this a lot, which I have loved. I love I love a pop walk with Taylor. Oh yeah, I love Best. Taylor being on the street. I love Taylor. Listen, I have missed those Fourth of July parties when they came back this year. Mm. It was like coming back home. Yeah, like I felt at ease. I felt I patriotic like, again for the first time. Of since course you did. You were like, I know. You're like, God bless America. We're back <laughs> at it. And so I love that, and I want her to have a good time. And this is a wealthy, hot, talented woman. She should be living her life to the nines. You're right. And it looked like, and it appears now that maybe Joe was keeping her from some of that. Mm. Um, and I am so glad for her to be out and about. And I just thought an athlete, now I would never have guessed. I'm not an NFL person. I understand how football works. I'm not into it as a, as a pastime, but he seems, uh, he seems like a person who is not the worst. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I wish right. them the best. Yeah. <laughs> I wish them the best. And I think for her, like have a good time. Listen, have yeah. a good time, like have a good time and maybe market a movie coming out and an album coming out. Like right. live your best life. Kill two like, birds. Kill two birds. Listen, I knew when, I think it was this past weekend at the Jets game, because of course I'm now like, I've got to watch it. Who's with right, her? What's right. going on? She talking to Brittany Mahomes? I got to know. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that when you paused YouTube TV, it became the heart hands. And I went, <laughs> Oh, we are in it. It is too much. I'm going to have to dial out. So I can't go to another game with her. But I've enjoyed the ride as we've had it. But it does feel like the NFL is, I thought Travis was thirsty. It was really the NFL all along. I That was my exact arc, too. I was like, hype down Travis. Um, And I think at first I was like, they're so capitalizing off of this. It's kind of embarrassing. But now I see that it's just, it's kind of bigger than them. And while they're willing participants, I don't think they asked for like the aggressive exploitation on behalf of Sunday Night Football, NBC, Carson Daly, um, yes. the NFL, so on and so forth. It's just we'll see what she does next. I think if she continues to go to games, we'll have a better idea. But the second one was in New York. So that makes sense that she was there. I, right. And it was convenient. It like, was convenient. Yeah. Yeah. And it didn't hurt. Because I, 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 my comment on the whole thing was like I thought – we we want her to be a mastermind when we want her to be a mastermind. And listen, right. er, the Eras tour right. was transformative. I it was one of the best experiences I've ever had. Like ever like life experiences, not just concert experiences. It was so magical. But like we can't just want her to be a mastermind about the things we want her to be a mastermind. Why can't she be a mastermind about the PR of her life and and this this was dropped into her lap in the best way yeah why can't she have a good time why can't she why can't she climb that thing like a tree if she wants and also right. have a little promotion that seems like a good time that seems like a good hang did you see that people have a theory that she went to the jets game to bury google searches of taylor swift's jet 
That seems too specific. That's Truly, too- it just felt <laughs> like the week sitting at a conference table and dry erase boarding. Like how to? I mean, it's just it, it's. It yeah. might have been a happy coincidence, happy coincidence. like tr- that Tree Payne was like, I mean, this is nice. I this, But again, people, I feel like people think Google is just, it, it hasn't kept your entire history the entire time you've been using your computer. <laughs> and so if you search, if I were to search for Taylor enough. Jets, that's right. I will get that Taylor. Emissions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I will get it. It won't just be the Jets game, but, but I get it. Like the, and also the fact that a Swifty might, want that and be like look how smart she is it's like yeah but maybe like the jets are also still an issue like right you know private jets are still probably a problem for the environment no matter who uses them right no matter i gotta figure out like a scandal or something involving the words cake and topper to bury my history of selling no no <laughs> i won't allow it i want it to always be the when i hit google images i just want it to be Full of those cake toppers that are like too bad, Sean. That's okay, so <laughs> let's let's eat. Um, okay, okay, lastly, is that the origin of the free Jamie movement? You're you not being allowed to bring stuff to the table that Knox cuts. That's well. In the early years of the show, you just didn't want to be controversial at all. Like we didn't. We tried to be really middle of the road, which, to be honest, it only failed us to mm-hmm. not have strong opinions about strong things. So he would often edit me, or he would censor me with censor music of like, "You don't want to hear what she has to say about front bottom shivers. You do <laughs> not want to hear that. This is not suitable for Jamie's mom or whatever." And then it just became this thing where I got rowdier, and and really it was just like it became more comfortable in my own skin yeah. and saying the things I wanted to say, but. He would be like, are you sure? Are you sure? Like today we recorded an episode and I called Suzanne Stabile, who is uh, like a a scholar on personality typing systems. And she's written many books, bestsellers, sold a million copies. I called her a bad bitch. Mm, (laughs) He was like, like are you sure you want to call her? And I was like, she's a proud bad bitch. How dare you? She would love that. She's a 72-year-old bad bitch. She would love it. So that's so what would happen is at live shows, it would be, oh, you're free. Like you're free because Uh that's the, it's the rare place where I am not edited. And so that, and like our, you know, live streams that we have when we hang out, it's like the one time that you can get the full version of me, which is a free Jamie. And she's very, she's rowdy, but she's fun. Like she's rowdy, but she's fun. I I hope you felt free Jamie today. I feel like I felt the most free. Thank you so much. This was such a I did not I did not feel trapped by anything. I think you give that to people of like you give people permission, whether they're on your show or not. You give your audience, you give Beth permission to be their truest selves, even whether it's to love the American Girl dolls, even as an adult. You know what I mean? Or if it's just to love the things that you love, you give a lot of people that permission. And uh, that's what I felt here today. Oh, my gosh. I love to hear it. I, I, I felt fancy free, like the second semester of your senior year of high school. <laughs> <laughs> whatever we soprano. want, we're doing You are the soprano to my alto. <laughs> this was a beautiful choir moment. <laughs> I loved it. So where can people find all that is the Popcast Media Group Empire and you specifically? That's right. So you can find the podcast. We are the podcast on Instagram. That's where we are the most. It makes perfect sense for an audio platform to be on Instagram. But we have a lot of fun over there. And a lot of uh, listener and uh, public consumption of all kinds of topics. And we share so much of what we love about pop culture there. And then you can go to knoxandjamie.com. You can find our whole history of things we've loved, TV shows, uh, movies, albums, podcasts, all the things. Um, You can also find Faith Adjacent, our Faith podcast 
podcast at faithadjacent.com and faithadjacent on Instagram. And then you can find me everywhere at Jamie B. Golden. Thank you so much. This was fun. Bye. I, I really think we freed Jamie today on this podcast, on this cake podcast. I just, I, I'm obsessed with hyper-specific businesses like that. And I just, I, I love that we relate to the terrible pitfall that is monetizing your hobbies. But this hobby is one I and she love. And I think when you find the right thing, you actually don't tire of it in the same way. And I'm so grateful you guys are here. I'm so grateful I get to have fun conversations like this. And I'm laughing, listening back to the free Jamie of it all, because I only had to, I think I only edited out one comment. Not because it was overly spicy, just because, you know, trying to keep this tight under two hours. And I believe she started to speculate if, if <laughs> Meghan Markle's forearms really brought anything to the table, to which I obliged and, and mold over it myself. And then I thought, you know, do we, I, I don't know, she's been through a lot. I don't think we need to like drag her radius and Ulna into this. Otherwise, yeah, we, we love to f- free Jamie. And you guys are the best for listening. If you want more from me about this week's events, just kind of a general pop culture snorkel about T.S., Travis, London, Olivia, and the like, go to patreon.com slash be there in five. That should be up by the time you listen to this. If you could rate and review five stars, that would be so helpful. And if you also liked this episode and want to share it, it's the only way independent pods like this can grow is you want to tag me at Kate Kennedy at Be There in Five at the podcast to share that you enjoyed this collab. I would love that so much. And as always, let me know your thoughts. I'll let you know mine. I'll be there in five.